Shorty, our guest today, has a number of rugby league. Brown says, get that India, big boy. gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the tip sheet as always i'm your host uh 4020 also known as john and joining me for another episode is my good mate 60s mate we, we keep churning out these monster episodes um and we're at the point where we're almost too big to fail like the american banking system but mate i am in the best mood i am uh as happy as you could be after some uh, another great win on the weekend and i have a feeling I'm going to be smiling even more after this episode. Yeah, it's very much a theme of, of today's podcast, and it's it's a topic that's going to resonate with a lot of fans. We we really sincerely hope um, with our, our first guest coming on board shortly. But yeah, um, action-packed episode. We've got uh, our surprise first guest. Joey Grime is back for another episode of Insider Chat from the Parramatta Eels Juniors. Uh, we've got a huge weekend of action to recap with the Eels knocking off the Sharks and staying undefeated alongside all the junior reps and the first games of Jersey Flag and New South Wales Cup after multiple false starts. So uh, it's a very action-packed agenda. Um, we apologise for dragging on at some points, but there is just that much footy to talk at the moment. So let's get right into it, eh? Forty, our guest today has a number of rugby league passions that resonate with us. He has a background calling junior reps footy for New South Wales Rugby League. He's been a coach, a referee, and has a strong presence in social media, including a number of podcasts like Sports Best Friends, Little Rugby League, and uh, Chasing Kangaroos. But we've got him here to have a chat about another project of his, Footy Smiles. He's known as the biggest tiger. So, Big T, welcome to the tip sheet. Well, I can't believe what an intro that is. You've obviously done your homework. I didn't give you any of those answers uh, pre this, so I'm feeling uh, very... Very loved and overwhelmed. And when someone says it like that, that is um, that is quite a lot. I probably should spend some more time with my poor wife and child. <laughs> and we're just having a laugh off air then because it turns out myself and Big T actually go back a little bit where with my work in the Para podcast, we've actually crossed over before and <laughs> we, we sort of just put two and two together and gone, we've actually spoken to each other before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard for anyone to be in the uh, rugby league social media landscape for more than a couple of years without eventually uh, coming across my path at some <laughs> stage. I end up in your DMs or, or some, doing something with you. So I wasn't I wasn't that surprised, John, uh, when I found the connection. I was just, you know, it was just going to eventually find whatever it was somewhere. And I suppose it just speaks to how great the fabric of this community is in Rugby League. So always great to, to touch base like that. Now, let's get yeah. on to the, the big questions, mate. 40 Smiles. Could there be a better moniker for a social media platform that focuses <laughs> on the positives of our great game, Rugby League? Yeah, and, and look, this is the first of a thousand times that I'm going to credit uh, JB, who is the uh, our lord and saviour of the Footy Smiles community. So JB and I spent about a, legitimately a few hours to, throwing names back and forth and ideas. Um, and so Footy Smiles was what we landed on. And... I'm really glad we spent the time because I agree with you. It's ended up being a perfect short little name. Obviously, gets exactly across what it is. Um, it's easy to remember, and and not only does it sum up what we do, but it also perfectly actually makes you smile. Like it, the, the word "footy" also physically makes you smile. So it was accidental brilliance, uh, or or on purpose brilliance. But you're absolutely right, and it's an easy hashtag. It's easy for people to remember. 
Um, it didn't have any connection to any team or even any particular part of the rugby league community. There are lots of things we thought about that we wanted to make sure that we were encompassing all of the rugby league-ness and, and, um, and that it was about positivity and nothing else. Well, mate, we'd like to change the fact that there's probably a few people out there, and I don't know why this would be, but there'd be a few people out there who aren't familiar with Footy Smiles. So um, can you give us uh, a bit of a background? There's two of you behind the scenes. You, you've mentioned JB. Um, can you talk us through your backgrounds and the genesis of the site? So JB, I think, has a lot of work uh, in the social media space and in sport. And so he was already doing work in and around kind of content creation, but but he's that's he's a very important person in, in the in the role that he does somewhere else. And and if anyone has been following me at all, you would also know that I'm very I love keeping stuff private. There's a football us, and then there's a, a you know there's a real world us. So I won't go too much into what Jamie or I do in our real lives, but it was perfectly set up for doing something like this. And JB and I. Uh, are both already big social media people. He's a huge Raiders fan. I'm a huge Tigers fan and had found each other a number of times on social media. Uh, and so we're already in each other's DMs. And, and JB came up with the idea that he would really love to see more positive stories on his timeline. We often saw them scattered throughout the year, but never, never as much as he actually thought there probably was. And the Canberra Raiders particularly are fantastic at breeding a culture of positivity and giving back to the community. Ricky Stewart... Um, love him. I hate his, his tactics or his pref con- press conferences. He is fantastic at making sure that the humans in his, uh, in his, not just his team, but everyone who's working in that organisation is thinking about what the organisation does for Canberra. And so JB, seeing all of that and and seeing that it wasn't in the media enough, um, decided he wanted to do something about it. And and knowing that I am only about positive football, talking about rugby league all the time on my social media account and only in a positive way. He, he knew that I was the best person that he knew to come to to try and help him with that. And so once he came with that idea, I, I loved it as well, saw a huge value in it and thought um, it'd be crazy not to try and help this bloke with it. And so since then, he and I have worked tirelessly on it, particularly JB. He's, he's really good at, at being on that account all the time and getting back to people. Because people, as, as it says in the thing, send us your, your stories by DM. Originally, yep. JB and I were, were trawling through newspapers or, or accounts on on the football sites to try and find our own stories to just try and find it and and highlight them whereas over the last i mean you might know how long it's been going for maybe three years four years mm-hmm. they um it's now just constantly people dming us and so he's really good at getting on top of that and and responding to those people and and asking follow-up stories um but uh, merely that's that's what it is it's just the two of us having a huge love of rugby league, knowing how positive it is and how positive its effect could be, and then trying really hard to just highlight the great work that, that people are doing in, in our community. Oh, that's awesome, mate. And I suppose when you think of positive rugby league stories, you're almost conditioned to jump straight towards players visiting hospitals or yeah. players and clubs getting behind you know, some sort of community that's doing it tough, whether it's a team or a town. And it is important yeah. that that gets acknowledged. But positive football stories can be so much more than that too, can't they? I think the hospital one's an easy one and and hospital visits and school visits are easy ones and they're club mandated and 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 as you said they're worth recognizing they're also easy for a media quick snapshot um and then move on and what i think is i wouldn't say more powerful but where where you see even even more um smiles (laughs) for lack of a better term even more of a connection or even more of an impact 
is when it's done off the cuff or when it's done without the um, person who's going to receive that joy or that that support without them knowing. I mean, the people in the hospitals and the school visits might not know, but um, when you see people on the side of the field or when you see videos of, of parents when, when kids receive something in the mail or, or someone turns up at the door, that is really spine-tingling stuff. And, and often those players in those situations have no idea they're being filmed. They could probably assume it in 2021 they're being filmed. But they're not doing it for that thing. Whereas there's a small connotation that anything in a hospital or, or a school might be pre-planned. Footy Smiles has, has been really successful in just highlighting all the times in which things aren't pre-planned and when, when we can just see what appears to be pure, unbridled kindness um, from rugby league players uh, to a community. And, and that's what it is. It's, it's, them, it's us seeing them give time um, to people and also to get people who who don't feel like they're being heard or seen or feel like they're in a really bad spot, that they are seen and heard by really important members of the community. Um, and all of the people who are receiving this are often rugby league fans, so they really do, like like the three of us, idolise those people. And so when they see that those people that they love and care for so much and are such incredible role models, stopping their day to come and see and hear them and support them, it has such a massive impact and and. And so it's just fantastic to be to to watch that and to show people that. And and just on that, there's there are some players who are well known for the great things that they do with people out in the community. But there's also a vast chasm between the public perception of certain players and the type of person that they are behind the scenes. And a case in point is Corey Norman. Um, Years ago, before I knew of his association with the Pass It On clothing, I'd heard how he used to do lots of things for other people, but he, he never wanted it to be known. He just would keep it to himself. Do you find that there's uh, many other players who uh, are like that? They keep that to themselves, or maybe that there is this vast chasm of difference between the person, the, the, the football of the person and the, and the person's perception in the community? 100%. So, so who we see often on the, on the rugby league field is the most competitive um, version of themselves. And often people who are, who are competing as hard as they can aren't particularly kind or nice, you know what I mean? They're, they're trying to do what the best they can within the rules of whatever sport they're playing. And so someone um, like Corey Norman, who, who he's probably not a great example of someone who's cheeky on the field. He's quite nice and calm on the field and, and beautiful off the field. That pass it on clothing, by the way, is such an incredible thing. It's something I knew nothing about until we started this account and they tagged us in everything that Normie was doing. And then so many people in Parramatta, that team then came along. And again, that wasn't because they knew that they'd get a photo on, on footy smiles. Obviously, they don't care if they've they put on footy smiles. They just knew that what Norman was doing there was having a big impact on, on homeless people and, and they wanted to be a part of it. But you see someone like Adam Blair um, or, or a lot of those forwards who a lot of people would go, you know, that he's a bit of a dog or he's, you know, he's, he's a cheat or that he's a, grubby. a certain reputation, right, on the yeah. field. Yeah. Because they're literally being paid to be as competitive as they can in a mm -hmm. physical sport. And then when you see them off the field um, doing stuff for people that they don't know are being seen and just for the, the sake of they are great human beings and have the time and space to do it, that's what I love about it. That's the stuff that's often unseen. And, and that's the stuff that I love when you have when – when we have a perception of someone on the field – that we just assume it's the same thing off the field, whereas almost always it's completely the opposite. Um, Reese Marnie, another excellent player, super competitive, excellent footballer, and is also doing such a great job for passing on clothing. Um, 
I mean, Damien Cook looks like an absolute sweetheart on the field and is an absolute um, sweetheart by the looks of things off the field. But that's probably the biggest takeaway from that is that it's easy to it's easy to think that football players are exactly the same on the field or off the field. But Footy Smiles has done a great job of showing that there are so many different layers to players, particularly when they had a bad day. You see Milford have a really shocking day and everyone jumps on him on yeah, the Twitter pile on very quickly, machine. Yeah. yeah. And I understand that. I'm not I'm not getting upset with people being upset during a game. But then you spend two days later and you come on the thing and you see all of the great work he's doing, you know, for Nate. There was a great story about a, a small bloke called Nate who's getting his absolute life turned upside down by cancer and had heaps of leukemia treatments. And his dad was just, you know, just needed a – he just thought his little boy, who's only 18 months, he was about two years old, just needed a day off all of this hospitalness. Went down to Brisbane, and then all of the Brisbane players stopped everything they were doing to give this bloke some time. And and that's the thing I mean about being seen and heard. This poor kid's just in he's stuck in his own world of hospitalness, hoping that something gets done right. And then he gets to spend his time with what would appear to him to be gods. You know, they're on television playing the most difficult sport in the world. And Anthony, Anthony Milford's there, giving him his training shirt, giving him his you know, anything he pretty much could at the time, just to make that little bloke feel better. It really doesn't matter then that his chip and chase didn't come off or that his fifth tackle action was really poor on Thursday night because all of these people are excellent human beings doing the absolute best they can when they're also not on the field. And I think that that's a real boon that, that people could get if they don't know about the account, that they can also then see their favourite players or, or team in different environments being, you know, representing them, representing the Brisbane community in a really great way. Now, this one's probably a bit unfair given the nature <laughs> of how many stories would come across your desk or inbox online, but can you try and pinpoint a favourite story you have about the lengths a player has gone to help make someone feel special? I love I love that you've used the term desk because thinking about it, I don't know if I have a desk anywhere in the world anymore, but you're <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, coming across our DM box, yeah, that's probably the best way to say it. Uh, look, I know Jamie's one, JB loves the one where there's a bloke called Angus Hopkins. Um, he was in Toowoomba. He suffered from cerebral palsy. He needed a wheelchair. And it was an absolute stitch up. Like it, that kind of thing where your whole entire house needs to get fixed. Everything mm. in your world needs to change it's just to try and. Yeah, completely life changing. Oh, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And so Christian Welch heard that. Uh, Christian Welch, by the way, is one of the absolute stellar, like Hall of Fame's footy smile. His, his name is often spoken about with like reverence in terms of the work he does. Oh, oh, unbelievable. And so he just hears that story. He's, he's pretty active on social media. He talks to a Channel 7 news reporter. He'd heard it through and, and um, wanted to get in contact with Gus. Um, and so did that, organised some tickets and stuff for Magic Round. Anyway, it just snowballed. And this is one of the things that Jamie sometimes does, which is incredible. He saw that story. It was great. He's, he was talking then to Christian Welsh because a lot of the time players don't ever tell us, hey, I'm just about to do this. But the moment we approach them going, there's something you might be able to do here, a large proportion of the clubs or players jump on board. And so in this time, JB messaged, uh, I think Yvonne Sampson, and said, Magic Round's coming up. Is this bloke, Angus Hopkins, um, Christian's trying to do some things for him, Christian Welsh. He's actually a big Broncos fan, though. So, so although Christian's organised a bunch of things for the Melbourne team to do, I think he went to a captain's run and things like that, is there anything, um, Yvonne, you can do with your connections during Magic Round to help? And so Yvonne ended up then, because she has, you know, an incredible uh she's such a great person as well so she has, league, yeah. oh and so because of that has so many relationships with with different players and team managers and stuff so then the broncos got involved they were giving all of their time and effort during magic round to him and and for anyone who spent any time in professional football they would know any all, all the things about load management um fatigue uh things like stretching food 
intake, all of that stuff. So most players' time, particularly around something like Magic Round, is is done down to the minute. So for these clubs to go, we're going, we're not going to do this thing that you need to do as a professional just so we can go and help this bloke is a huge thing. And so to see so many different parts of Melbourne Storm, Christian, um, Yvonne, the Maroons, the, the Queensland Maroons ended up getting a personalised jersey for Angus and his sister, um, and then the Broncos on top. So so many different facets all just piling in to make this bloke feel as best he possibly can when he's going through such a typical time and his family going through such a difficult time. So that's JB's, and scrolling through that, there are thousands, almost thousands of those things now, those stories that, that are great. My favourite, though, is a weird one, um, and so I hope you don't mind. There are there are some fantastic ones on there, and, and I encourage anyone to go back and have a look at all the different ones. But my one, just from the reaction, it's a one. It's a girl called Hope. She just gets a run-of-the-mill text message from Daily Cherry Evans. We all know about COVID. She was going to drive hundreds of, I think it was 700, 800 kilometres um, to Sydney to try and watch Manly play. COVID hit. She was going through some medical things herself. So was her mum. But they, they'd had time to go down to Manly. COVID stitched them up. So the mum ended up messaging, I think, a cheerleader or someone uh, on the periphery of the club. And the club sprang into action immediately. And so they'd messaged Hope uh, from Daily Cherry. It's just wishing her like a happy 60, 16th birthday or something small like that. And Hope literally gets like to a second away from death. Watching Daly talk to her specifically, again, just people feeling heard and seen. Daly going, hey, Hope, I'm so sorry you couldn't come to our game. We're really going to miss you, but hope you have a great birthday. She is screaming. She cannot believe that this person is seeing her, hearing her, and spending that time just to do a you know, 13, 14-second video. Literally changed that woman's life. She'll remember that for the rest of her life. She'll keep that, you know, that video forever. And we'll always remember her 16th birthday as the time Daily Terry you know, personally text messaged her. Um, and I know it, it just, it's incredible that those small little things like that can have such a big impact on people. Um, and so it's just great to see when players will do it. Um, there's, a, there's a dog one that you've got to go and have a look at where, where the, during COVID, obviously all the warriors are here. There's a dog shelter. They can't get out unless they're being walked. The, the warriors aren't allowed to leave unless they're doing something active like walking dogs. So they all go to a dog shelter and, you know, adopt all these dogs to walk them and stuff. And then when COVID was over, they then used all their social media accounts to find houses for those dogs. Like, it's just so sweet. Uh, yeah, the whole account is littered with stuff like that. Where You just can't believe that people – well, you can believe people can do it. You just can't believe that no one ever hears about it over and over again. Like, that should be – number one story of the day that the Warriors just in COVID find a way to adopt have like almost an entire kennel full of dogs adopted. It's just, you know, it's fantastic stuff. I love it. And you've sort of segued nicely into uh, what I'd like to ask next, but just as a, as a, uh, to preface the, the question, uh, this, me getting in touch with you for um, doing a, having a chat with us this week was really motivated by uh, the feed that came through. I, I follow footy smiles and there was in the feed was the vision of Ronaldo Muatalo uh, Mulatalo on um, after the game at Bankwest on uh, Saturday giving his jersey to a young fan after the game was over and you know he just he just come off a loss and uh, there was something about it I'm I'm a bit of a I, I cry too easy I'll admit to that. But I, but <laughs> yeah, rather yeah, yeah. Than, you know, I was sort of smiling, but then I found my eyes welling with tears. And yeah. and I thought, what a great gesture. And it was like you spoke about before, real spur of the moment sort of stuff. And yep. it, making, 
I suppose what we're talking about with all of this is making a difference to someone. And it doesn't have to be like a big planned event, really, does it? It can be these sorts of, you know, spur of the moment occasions. Look, well, first of all, I touched on me transferring as well. You heard I'm on three different podcasts. So my whole entire life is, is moving podcasts along. So thank you for noticing that I am, uh, I'm doing a great job of helping us move along. The, uh, that story, Ronaldo Molotalo also is a Hall of Famer for Footy Smile. So that bloke at one stage was, I think, about five out of six posts we had was Ronaldo because that man is tireless. He, he His own backstory is incredible. He's growing up in an extremely poor part of Auckland uh, in a garage for a period of time with his mum. He's playing pretty good football, reckons he can make it, and his mum then sells the small amount of stuff that they have to get them to come to Australia, and they put all of their hopes on him playing football well. And so instead of just spending all of his time trying to make that happen, which he does, all of his spare time then goes to trying to make sure that anyone else who is in the same or similar situation that he was in New Zealand gets pulled up and gets some support. Now, that as a concept is insane because everyone else is, you know, they come from that environment. They want to just make sure that their family and whatever is working well, whereas he is not just supporting his family. He's trying to support anyone else doing it tough. So Ronaldo's incredible. So seeing him do that was not at all a surprise. Um, the thing I think that's, that's getting you in that is him getting down on his knees and to talk to that kid. Yeah. So a lot of players will go and give a jersey, and they and that's fantastic, and or a headgear or things like that. JT giving headgear at the end of every half to a kid walking past, whether they're a Cowboys fan or not, was a massive culture shift in the rugby in in a rugby community, and so that that shouldn't be understated. Him giving kick tees and stuff, realizing that you know that just changes someone's day, life, week is amazing. But Ronaldo in that one takes off his jersey, doesn't give it to him straight away, gets down on his, on his knees. So that he's eye to eye with that kid, again, making that person feel seen, then talks to the parents there, asks, you know, the, the kid's name or, or what kind of backstory, just so that he can actually have a real conversation with that kid and that family. And then the family then feels that that people in the community care for them. So not just footballers, but that people see them, hear them and want to support them. Um, and then Ronaldo hugs that family. You know what I mean? Like it's just not just here's your thing and I hope you're okay. He's he's doing cultural things that would be I care for you, uh, even in the smallest way and the smallest gesture I can show that I care for you. And Damien Cook I think did it this week or last week as well where he took off his jersey, went up into the crowd and gave it to a family who their their son had passed away and he was part of the rabbit. That son had been part of the Rabbitohs community. The Rabbitohs have already done you know, a lot to, to, to show love and respect and honour that child. But that doesn't mean it should end, and Damien knows that. So Damien sees a way that he can just quickly do something to show the family that he cares, that they're seen, that they're heard. Um, again, he doesn't care or know if anyone's filming, and he just wants that family to feel you know, cared for, and so goes up and does that for them. Um, it's just so powerful. It's something as simple as taking the jersey off, making the phone call, um, or going to a training session um, is is massive. And then when you see more than that, like Christian Welsh, I know he's an ambassador for, for um, Cancer Council, but he just goes above and beyond all the time to try and auction off his own stuff. A lot of players and coaches or people who retire at the moment often auction off stuff, but the, the way that you enter is follow this account. You know, my next stage is doing this business, so follow that a business account and things like that, which is great, and they should do that. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but... Christian will do that, but what he does is uh, I'm selling off a lot of my gear and all of that is going to this cancer re uh, cancer research or things like that. So just small little things that, that feel like or look like nothing 
to them actually they know is having a big impact and Ronaldo, Christian, uh, Damien Cook, they're, they're absolute Hall of Famers of it and, and they know not just to just do the jersey but to the go and speak to that person, make them feel seen and heard and that community then knows that they're being supported. I want to frame this next question with a, a personal experience for Sixties and myself from TCT. Um, we did a, a feature article on Giant Steps a number of years ago and it was probably one of the most single, most eye-opening things that we've ever done in relation to football. Would you say that right, right, mate? Yeah, yeah. It's a good call. Um, and it really, you know, we, we knew that players did good and, you know, they had you know, community interactions, but it was like, wow, these guys can make a difference. Um, do you find that Footy Smiles has been a learning experience for yourself? And by that, I mean, do you find yourself surprised at just how much good is done by both the players and the game itself? Um, that's a hard one only because we've been doing it now for so long that I can't, I can't now remember what I, what I am probably more surprised about isn't that they do great work. I think the NRL itself has, has geared itself, geared itself up to rewarding players and communities when they do a good deed. So the Ken Stevens medal and things like that's been going on for almost 40 years. I think Wayne Pierce won it in the early eighties. So they've They've often, as a community or as an organisation, said we value you going out into the community. What I'm probably most surprised about is is how much everyone else cared because what what was often touted in the media was um, clickbait is what sells. You know, negative stories is what sells. No one cares if there's a good news story. And so I think that's what JB was was really kind of testing with this. He, he didn't believe that. And so he, the first story I remember um, that he put to us was one, I think it was, was it Conrad Hurrell and someone? They were doing something with with, with a bloke who was suffering, I think, from um, from oh, I can't remember what it was now. But anyway, there was some issue at the very beginning that no one ever heard about, and and he heard about it just because of Canberra and things like that, and or or the date that um oh, I can't remember anyone's names. There was a date that the halfback from Newcastle used to be the halfback from the Bulldogs. Trent Robin, Trent, Trent, Trent Hodgkinson. Yeah. Yep. yeah, he took he took a young girl to the prom. Uh, to, I, rem- I to remember this one, yeah. Dance. Yeah, like small things like that you're never going to hear about, but they're so powerful. They're the kind of things that are going to make 60 cry. That <laughs> yeah. I think I just didn't think – that's what I'm most surprised at, that those stories – really resonated with everyone else. I just, I started to think maybe because everyone kept saying negative story sell that I was, I was the weird one or JB and I were the weird one that we didn't love hearing that. What we actually loved hearing was, was stories about um, people doing amazing things and really selfless things in the community. So I think that's probably been the biggest surprise is that the mainstream media should actually be highlighting more of this because this is what people love. This is what people care about. And, and that this is really also what they should be, reporting on more than more than anything else or at the very least reporting the stuff that clubs do because i'm not sure that the general community would know how great the canberra raiders are in their in their general community or how great Parramatta are in their community at large uh, or how much work west tigers do in campbelltown um, for kids trying to get them in schools i i and that, and i know it's because they don't do it so that they get told and so i think that sometimes they don't the clubs deliberately don't push that message out there because they're not doing it for that message but I, I, I honestly think the Telegraph and, and Sydney Morning Herald should look more at what they do around that because there is way more readership in that than than any of us thought before. I, I watched Ryan Madison uh, share his time and a personal story with a group of students at Eels training. You know, it's not unusual to get a group of kids or 
a community group that comes down and watches training. You know, it's an organised visit sort of scenario. But in the towards the end of talking to them, it was like there was a there was a moment where Ryan decided I'm going to have to. Oh, oh, there's something I want to share with these kids, and he shared this story with them and. Uh, I was there listening to it. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to to Paige of the Parramatta Reels. She was there in the background. I could see her tearing up when he was he was talking to them. And I I thought to myself, oh, I wish other people could hear this and hear how genuine he was with what he wanted to share with these kids and what he was offering of himself afterwards in in terms of being there for future contact for the kids, but. There was another part of me that said, oh, this is their moment, you know, like I'm not going to yeah. say what he's what he shared with them because he shared that with them. He didn't share it with me. He didn't share it with mm. anyone else that wasn't there. Do you ever have times where there's something, there's a there's a real positive footy story there, but you think to yourself, no, this, this belongs just to the person that can't be shared? So we try not to make that decision. What we do is, uh, we'll get, we'll often get DMs that, that have a story in it. They'll say, you know, my auntie, this just happened to my auntie, or I was at the football on the weekend, and and there was one time where a family had gone to the football. Uh, one of the one of the people was in a wheelchair, and, and um, uh, one a player who I think it was Aaron Woods or someone someone who was injured went out of their way to try and make sure that this these people actually got upgraded. What the seat that they were in wasn't great, and they'd seen that and they they tried to fix it. It was Paul Harrigan, sorry, Paul Harrigan. They were in a Newcastle game. Paul Harrigan saw them. And, and he wanted to get them upgraded so he could see them. Now, we got that story and we didn't want to launch that or, or put that out there until we'd spoken to the people who were directly involved, the people who, you know, they had told their family, oh, my God, this has happened. They, they'd taken some photos and sent it to their family. Their family knew about our account, so they told us, but we wouldn't go ahead with that story until the people who it had happened to had said to us, yeah, we're, we're good to go, that that would be great. And so yeah. we'll often hold on, even if they haven't responded yet, we'll, we'll hold off on that and hold it until... We definitely get someone saying yes. You can you can post that. JB and I do yeah. that on a, a bunch of levels. First of all, he and I are also quite private in our own lives, so it would be ridiculous for us to, you know, it'd be hypocritical of us not to do that. But as you said, it's a moment or a story with them. They they don't might they might not want that shared um, with a thousand people because also we can't straight away control what people say under that. So we can we can delete comments and things like that. But people might straight away be quite rude about it. I know we had one recently where. Where um, the manly hooker Manasse Fainu, he I know he's having some criminal issues and, and that needs to get sorted. That's got nothing to do with me. But he had done something great in his community where he'd just gone down the street asking people in his community if they wanted them lawn mowed. Now that's not a big thing. I'm not saying that if he's guilty that he should be exonerated because of that. But you know the bloke did it, and so we we put it up there. And a lot of people were really upset about that us us posting that. Now. That's not up – like, you're allowed to, to choose if you like or don't like that, but that's the same thing. It's the other side of that. That player's going through his own thing, and at the moment, he to, to deal with his mental health or whatever, he wants to give back to his community. And so I think that's worth spotlighting. And so we, we wait and, and choose moments depending on, on the people inside the story and, and what they want to do. The other thing that then happens with that is – and and I want I'm trying to stay positive. There are accounts though, or, or media things that don't wait, and they often do push that story, and and it becomes quite upsetting um, for the people involved because they they'll often see us de- asking them, 
and then they'll assume that everyone has then just run that story. And so they'll message us back going, I can't believe you sent that out. You know, you shouldn't have done that. I really don't want my blah, blah, blah. And we'll say to them, I'm so sorry that wasn't us. We'll try and get in contact with that other account. So yep. we can see all, all of those sides where, where players are on the wrong end and they're trying, they're still doing the right thing and getting hammered by the public. We're seeing the public doing the right thing but maybe not wanting to be out there or or the public or, and players all being happy to put that out there and then and then we have a beautiful story. So it's really important to make sure that all of the sides of that story, the play, we can't just assume the players want it out there. We can't just assume the public wants it out there. And when everyone's happy, then then we do and we've done our due diligence, which sounds silly because it's just a social media account that has you know no strings to anyone, but we still feel somewhat it's, obligated right. to it's, these it, lives. It's serious business these days, even just running a casual yeah. blog these days, doing due diligence yeah. is important. <laughs> For sure, and so, and we also realise that in, in some small way we are representing um, rugby league and the NRL. So anyone who falls across the account, we don't want them seeing negative stories or, or us doing the wrong thing when when um, someone from England or, or France or Brazil's seeing rugby league for the first time. We want them to find the best possible version of us over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Now you mentioned earlier that yourself and JB started Footy Smiles, having to go out and find the stories before you grew to the point that community outreach would start bringing stories to you guys. Um, do you have the actual clubs themselves keep you in the loop sometimes with some, um, some of the stories they share? Very rarely. I mean, they will, particularly at the beginning, not at all. Um, we reached out pretty early on to media managers of those clubs. So JB and I, having some understanding of how of how social media and rugby league or any NRL works, reached out to social media accounts, uh, sorry, social media managers of those teams, letting them know that we exist and, and that we would like to support them in any way. And that you know our mantra is not to make them look bad; it's it's to show when things go well. Exactly. Most of them are quite receptive to that, and and they've sometimes sent us stuff. But as I said before, clubs almost are never doing this. Um, for recognition most of what they do they have they have a certain quote of the nrl insists that clubs do for community service and and social service and so they don't they know that they're obligated to do it so i think they would realize that it's kind of you know kind of a bit tongue-in-cheekish to go well we're forced to do this and we should be rewarded for doing this or, or or you know lauded for doing what what we actually should be doing so that's why they probably don't push that very often if you look closely though in that um in that great video of Ronaldo Molotalo, or yeah, he, he's there giving that jersey, and you can see the Sharks Digi is running. She's running in the background because she can see Ronaldo's doing that great moment. She wants to capture that because she wants her Sharks community to know that Ronaldo is that kind of guy, um, and she knows that Ronaldo's doing that literally off his own back. So they they, they would then share that with us, or, or when we tag them, they would then they would also then share that and keep us tagged in it, um, uh, or vice versa. They would they would they would put up their own post and then tag us, add us in it so that they know that we would also then share it. So there is a little bit of it, but they're still pretty um, – they don't want to glorify what their players do. They just want to make sure their community sees it. So they're probably not big into it, but not in a they don't want to, they don't want to support us. They're more in a we just want to make sure that it, we're still doing it for the right reasons and that their players are still doing it for the right reasons kind of thing. Yeah, um, JB was on a uh, podcast earlier this year with – uh, rugby league guru and I was having a listen to that and um, he mentioned that footy smiles had become bigger than what you expected it to be um, how big can footy smiles become yeah, yeah yeah I heard that too and I think what he was referring to there was what I was referring to before where he and I just didn't realize how much support we would get from the community not so much the players and the uh, and the and the clubs but we just didn't realize how 
many people on Facey and, and Insta and Twitter would then follow us and and like it. Like it. the battery on our phones is just absolutely hammered by the amount of notifications we get um, whenever we put a post up. So I think that's what he he couldn't believe how big a support we would get. Now, how big can it get? It I don't I don't see JB or I wanting it to be more than us just highlighting uh, what already happens. I know that there's. At one stage, the only the only thing I could see is getting bigger is is um, TV things taking on our stories. So for a small period of time, uh, the first lady of rugby league, Yvonne Sanson, did have us as part of League Life. So at the tail end of, of every League Life, she would have her, her producer would have liaised with us, and I would have emailed away what we thought was the best story of that week with a blurb for them to just to just slide in. And so they did that for a few weeks in a row. The magic of television meant that eventually they couldn't keep up with that or the producer, you know, they went in another direction, which is fine. But that's probably the only other step I could see us taking um, is that is it a, uh, is Fox League or someone like that taking on a story of the week kind of thing and, and running with that. But outside of that, like, I can't see JBRI looking to Patreon this or anything like that to try and get money back into the community. All he and I love doing is highlighting it and then occasionally trying to connect people. Oh, that was the other thing that sometimes happens and what probably could be better if we were going to get bigger is that often people tell us that they're in a bit of a hard way and they don't actually know how to get in contact with the club. So they know that their cousin or sister is going through a bit of a hard time and they want to get in contact with the Broncos or with the Sharks, but they don't know who to contact. And so often they'll contact us or be like, they'll tell us about the situation and ask if there's any way we can get someone involved and get that story out to them. And so JB and I can often then link them up, but it's really hard then to, to constantly check in with, you know, the media manager, the Sharks to see what's happening or, or cause no one can ever promise anything. Um, so we try and get that done as best we can. The only thing that would then be bigger or better is if we had some kind of bat phone that went straight to, you know, the president <laughs> yeah, of, of that, that, the NRL. Yeah. yeah, and so that we could just be sure, hey, you've definitely heard this story. You, you, you're really going to try and make something happen for this poor family and that they can say, yes, that's going to happen. Thanks, Footy Smiles. That would probably be the only other step that we would want to happen. But outside of that, JB and I are only doing this for, for highlighting fantastic stories and encouraging other people to to have them highlighted so that, we can see this great community and relish in this great community. Um, yeah, other than that, I can't, like, he and I aren't interested in YouTube movies or, you know, or Patreon or anything like that. It's just trying to make something great happen for because other people are doing it. Because that's the other, that other thing. JB and I are often told, you know, you're doing a great job. This is so great. I get to be on a podcast for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, talking about how great Footy Smiles is. But I haven't done any of those stories. You know what I mean? I haven't been to a hospital and made those kids feel great. I haven't yeah. taken my jersey off um, and made those people feel great. Ronaldo Militello used to work for minimum wage at a fish and chip shop, made a big in the NRL, and then went back one weekend just to go and help them out at the fish and chip shop. I, I haven't done that. I used to work at Baker's a lot. I've never gone back and done a free shift. So so JB and I get a lot of sunshine for this account, and, and JB should because he still puts in a lot of work to get this highlighted, but... Um, I just wanted to. I just realised that I should really just massively compliment everyone on that account because they're the ones um, carrying this. Uh, and and without the thousands of followers and likes and whatnot, we, JB and I still would have continued this. But it is great um, that we can only continue it because those players just week in and week out, um, even during COVID, would find ways to make people feel great um, with their stature in the game. Well, actually, the the besides the. Um hearing that the comment on the podcast, one of the motivations in me uh, asking that question was when we had uh, Mary Kay on from uh, Ladies Who League, 
she was talking about where um, a sponsorship for a a, um, a, a a women's team came about just through um, what had happened on her on her website, and that she was really pleased that this was able to happen for them. So I was thinking, you know, like the role that Footy Smiles can play, how big a role can it play in getting the, these good stories out there? So, um, I, and look, I think it was great when you were featured on um, on League Live, but uh, League Life. But um, yeah, geez, I'd like to see it. Um, these stories out there as much as possible. Yeah, and look, we put in the time. There was a lot of extra work to try and make those happen for them, and so we put in the time for that just because we want people to see and, and hear those stories. Um, love Mary Kay and love um, uh, all the work that she's done, and she's also the first lady, the first woman of, of women's rugby league. She's the go-to, and on a lot of panels to, to work out what to do next. And so I'm not at all surprised that people listen to her and are fan, finding connections through her. Um, and, and if in any way we've ever helped someone find a connection or, or be feel better themselves, like you, Sixy, just seeing that story. I mean, you weren't the yeah. person getting the jersey, but but us seeing that story and, and us all just feeling better because we know rugby league's doing a great job. Um, I'm glad that that might have some kind of small effect on people outside of outside of the people we can see. Yep. Now I want to tee you up with a bit of a double whammy to close things out, mate. <laughs> Go for it. I'm going to give you the opportunity for both a bit of a self promotion and perhaps some inspiration. But um, okay. given the work that yourself and JB have done, how can the average punter help get a positive rugby league story out to the public? Like, obviously, we've got Footy Smiles, so if you're at Footy Smiles, they can contact you. But um, for, for someone that's looking to maybe just start up their own story, can you help them point, point in the right direction? Yeah, well, I think if something's happened to you that's great and you really want to make a long-form article out of it, uh, and or, or you've already sent it to us once and we've, and we've done it and it's still resonating with you and you want to do a long chat about it, uh, I know the Raw is a fantastic website where you can put out articles and things like that and, and then share them on your socials. But the thing that I probably really want people to do if they really want positive rugby league is that they need to be positive themselves. Mm. So if you're ever on social media, which I'm assuming you are if, if you're a person who wants to support um, Footy Smiles, is that when you see um, uh, Justin Ollum hold the ball on last and get tackled and, and you don't win the game, don't pile on him on socials because – Justin Ollum does an insane amount of work. I mean, even if he didn't, don't pile on him because the bloke's doing the best he possibly can. But also just remember that Justin Ollum actually sends a huge amount of um, kit and and resources and coaching material to the PNG um, because he knows that he wants his community that he came from and the, and the PNG at large to be better, and he does that through rugby league. So if you really like positive stories or one's happened to you and you really want to get it out there, you could spruik your personal story. And you could also just be a more positive person generally. And I think that will actually probably have a bigger impact. If you tell your story about the great thing that happened to you, that's great. And then anytime you're seeing something in rugby league, just be positive about it as best you can. And you're also going to find that people around you um, and you yourself are going to feel better and are going to like rugby league more because it's a place that you go and you end up being a great person rather than the person person you go and you vent and get angry at, at someone you don't really know. Um, so if you're looking to support Footy Smiles, obviously, you know, follow us or, or whatever. Yeah, but Footy also Smiles the, on Twitter. Yeah, and Instagram and Facey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then when you see those posts, just take that as a polite reminder that you could also um, do something kind that day to someone in or, in, inside or outside the rugby league community. If everyone have a chat for you on Twitter as well, you're at the biggest tiger. And is Jamie at Jamie triple underscore B? 
well picked up. It's one of my favourite things about him. Jamie underscore 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 B. And I can't imagine that there is a Jamie underscore B or a Jamie <laughs> underscore underscore B, but there must have been because there he is with three underscores. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, well, a ter- it's a terrific follow, guys. Um, 60s, you want to give us the go-home comments, mate? Mate, I, I was just going to say that this is our um, – well, we're still trying to decide on the title for this episode. We're going to call it the Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy episode but <laughs> certainly a smiles episode uh mate thank you so much big t for coming on and giving us a bit of a background and sharing a few of those stories with us and hopefully there's a bit of food for thought for people as well just to be positive themselves about yeah, the no, game no, that they love because the obviously end. you know rugby league's a game that they love that we love and it wouldn't be possible without the the great players that play our game and there's so many of those great players that just give back to the community that they're a part of. It's, um, you know, it, let's just let's just focus on all those positives. I mean, Steve Blocker Road Wrestling said it fantastically at, at a Tom Brock lecture. It was about State of Origin. And he, he summed it up by um, saying that we actually have, we actually are like family with Queensland because no one else in the world gets to share what we share during State of Origin. And, and it's easy to forget that, you know, we hate them and, you know, it's a big rivalry. But actually it's a beautiful thing that only we share and it's because of this this one game and without them we don't, we don't have it. And so it's the same with any any Parramatta fan that, that loves hating the Tigers and, and Tigers fans for some reason also seem to love hanging out on Parramatta. Um, it's a fantastic relationship and those games like Easter coming up this weekend at the time of recording – is such a fantastic game. And some of the best West Tigers trials I've ever seen have been forced because Parramatta's defence was so fantastic that year that we can't have such a fantastic game without such um, great rivalry. So so anytime you see Mitchell Moses, who's groggy because he's trying as best he can to tackle one of the biggest blokes in the field and he's exhausted so his technique goes out of the way, that's not something that we relish. You know, I'm, I really hope that, that his, his HIA... Uh, or his concussion clear soon because I want to see him and I want to see him playing at his best um, despite the fact that he used to play for the Tigers. I, I want Mitchell to have a fantastic career and and so and I really hope that you guys play really well in, an, in a beaten side this week. <laughs> oh, thanks, Just had to slide that in there. Yeah. No, I, I, I respect, <laughs> I like I respect the hustle. I, like I respect the hustle. Um, <laughs> mate, it's a blast having you on and um, you're doing something really great for the community. So keep doing the work that you do alongside JB. Thanks, gentlemen, and thanks so much for all of this time that you've given me to to talk about it. It's a real pleasure it, 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 to talk about, and so I, I really hope that your listeners uh, have also enjoyed it. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. And now for another regular instalment from our Parramatta Eels insider, Joey Grimer, here to talk all things juniors about the Parramatta Eels. Joey, mate, always a pleasure to have you on board. Hey, guys. Um, thanks for having me again. Uh, what a wonderful weekend. Um, finished up with our... First grade side, really, really elated by that um, mixed bag, which I'm sure we'll go through. But as always, it's great to be with you two legends. Thanks, mate. Yeah, Joey, always a pleasure, mate. Um, speaking of results, some mixed fortunes on the weekends for the junior reps in some crucial games. Uh, firstly, of the Harold Mats, you've got to be pleased that they moved into the top two of their win. Uh, what really stood out in that performance for you? Oh, I think... Um, last year or previous years, uh, we wouldn't have won those matches. Um, it's been two weeks in a row, and I know that the coaching staff, led by Steve O'Day, are a little bit, you know, not concerned, but there's a, there's a level of detail that probably hasn't been there for the Roosters game, and certainly the game before that, uh, three weeks ago, was seen such a long time away when we played the Raiders in Canberra. So um, 
I think that um, the fact that they can grind out a win when they wouldn't necessarily have done that in the previous years, that's the pleasing thing um, And for me. And they're actually finding we, uh, ways to win other than relying on one or two or three individuals. Uh, and again, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking over the last probably three or four weeks with you guys about winning becomes a habit and the maturing um, of that group um, also becomes a habit. So when you win, things come to you a little bit easier. So I'm pleased that they are uh, getting the win um, and pleased that um, they're not always relying or only relying on the one person, as it were. That's true. It was, and, and speaking of that, it was a good day for Saxon Pruck. He scored a double in the game. And um, that's what, yeah. that speaks to what you're talking about because you've got some recognised names in the Harold Mats. We, we sort of speak about the Miles Martins and, and whatnot a lot. But Saxon's been very consistent this year. The, the beauty about this Harold Matthews side is that uh, we've got uh, 24 players in our squad and every one of them have contributed in some shape or form. And um, what Steve and his staff have done particularly well is give a voice or give um, um, some opportunity to some players that are, aren't of um, the the level or been identified to the level as some other players that we just you know spoke about. So your fringe players, if I can say use that term, but in a respectful uh, respectful way, are actually doing some really good things and 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 uh, are the difference with the game turning in our favour. So he's done a really good job with those players, um, ensuring that they are doing their job best for their team. Now, unfortunately, the other side of the coin is that the SG Ball team missed an opportunity to leap from the Roosters. What needs to be addressed for them from that loss? The things that were working for us with that squad um, crept back into the game. Our discipline was poor. Um, and my big thing that I always talk about, and people who listen to this wonderful podcast must think I'm a lunatic, but um, <laughs> I place so much value on end-of-play sets, yep. our kicks, uh, and that was we've gone from um, against Canberra Raiders this uh, amazing uh, feedback statistically about how all our kicks were high finishes opposed to probably the other end of the spectrum. So what happens when you don't get to your kick or you don't affect your kick as well as what you do, you don't find the ground, you don't turn them around. What teams do, 60s and 40s, is that um, instead of bringing the ball off their try line and then on play five kick around their 50-metre line, our poor end of sets allow them to bring the ball to our 20-metre line or their 20-metre line which means on play five, they're actually not they're actually not doing a defensive kick. They're actually doing a attacking yeah. kick or an attacking kick, trying to get a repeat set or trying to create an opportunity to score a try. And that's where we were really, really let down uh, on uh, Saturday with our SG ball side. Um, so that's one area that Craig uh, mentioned or spoke to them about uh, their review on Monday spoke about our uh, inability to be patient, um, to be disciplined and to kick and defend on our terms. 
one thing, a positive from that game in, in a game that had quite a few negatives, um, I think big Francis Fayofo Tortino showed a lot of ticker. Yeah. Um, he, big, big cover tackle he made that saved the try, and then the Roosters went on to score a, a play or two later, but he almost saved that try as well. So Chief, love to see you, that. You, Yeah, you guys have, have got your finger on the pulse. That's exactly what happened. And a lot of people may not have recognised the second part to that, what you've just, they would have identified and noticed that he chased back and ankle tapped that that player and actually um, pulled up a little bit lame, but had the fortitude to get up and, and make a tackle. It was similar to that uh, kick out um, try yes, two yeah, weeks very, ago. Yes, very similar. Yeah. Um, but th- that's the effort areas that um, um, Brad has challenged his NRL and we've taken a, a, a huge um, refocus, I guess, rather um, on some of the things that are not tangible that are important, and those things are effort areas. You can't um, you can't measure effort um, terribly well, uh, and it's a lot of things. What you're talking about is uh, what mum and dad wouldn't notice in the stands watching their kids, but things that people who've been around rugby league a long time understand. And he's a young man that's played wing and centre all his life. He's been transitioned into the back row and playing some middle. That's what our junior rep program is about, as well as, you know, promoting from within. It's it's identifying players and trialling them into positions where they may be a great benefit for them, long-term for them and our club. And he's just one of those players who I think deserves a huge uh, amount of recognition um, but also the gamble by Craig and his staff to upskill, transition and, and change um, players. And Craig's not scared to do that at all. He's done it uh, for two or three years. So he was arguably uh, one of the best with Larry on the weekend, I thought. Yes, I agree. Um, now, moving on again, uh, there's no sugarcoating the result, Natasha Gale. Um, the Roosters and Digis Academy dropped 50 points on him in a shutout performance. Um, with that said... Um, do want to give some credit to the Roosters Indigenous Academy, mate, because they showed, they showcase some brilliant attacking flair on Saturday. That, that they are they are a better side than where they're positioned. I, I was I points. was stunned when I saw because coming into that game they were barely above us in the ladder. And you're kind of like, oh yeah, we can get them, but they played probably the best football I've seen all season uh, from the Tasha Gale. Um, our, our girls were unfortunate that they uh, that particular week they dropped back a uh, Queensland representative player mm. into their squad. However. Um, the uh, attacking football um, that the Indigenous Roosters showed um, was just too classy for our girls. Um, so credit to them. I think oh, they, they will make the finals, and if they can maintain and continue on their way, uh, the Roosters could be um, a bit of an upset or yeah, a bogey They'll make side. some noise. They're a dark horse for sure, based on what I saw. I, I think so. I think so. Apart from... Um, you know, uh, um, the Illawarra side in the second half, uh, they they uh, committed a full game both halves. They just weren't one half and one half. So um, they're going to be a uh, – if they – I know they've got one person, one player to come back, um, a really important person to come back, and uh, they're going to be great. And yeah. I wouldn't like to be playing, playing them in the semifinals. Their fullback, Matty Binding, has got a, a Matty wicked, Bindi. A, a wicked uh, right-to-left pass. Yeah, um, they, they've got they've got the ability of having some 
touch football players in their side and um, some some girls that are courageous and get their body in front. But some of the skill that was on display uh, Saturday afternoon at Cabra was as good as I've seen at any junior rep age group. Yes. Oh, it was just it was it was actually really entertaining football to watch. Yeah, that Bindi, that uh, the fullback, uh, she was electric. Um, you know, great feet, great skill, both left and right. Um, but enough said on them. I think we've spoken about the Roosters a bit too much. <laughs> That's fair, Joey. <laughs> well, the girls are now out of the running and they've got to buy this week. But the boys' teams have important matches for different reasons. What can you tell us about the uh, opponents this week for the uh, mats and the ball? Well, we'll start with the SG ball. They're playing a Victorian side, uh, which have uh, one of our players who we agreed to release to go uh, and and play for Victoria. He has family there. Um, They're a side that probably um, don't have a great consistency. Uh, In actual fact, if you have a look at uh, the Victorian team, the Thunderbolts, they actually win their away games or participate in their away games uh, better than what they do at their home venue. And I remember we spoke about uh, the trip to Canberra and you said, how are we going to prepare for this? Um, In in many aspects, um, an away trip is much more easier to monitor and to get right than if you were at home. Um, There are snacks, there are hydration, there are stretching points, there are things that you you come through, you come together in for that entire day. So their preparation, and it shows by the amount of games they've won a, a home and away um, versus away, um, they're going to be a real handful. And if I were in their situation and I was their coach, my um, my mentality would be let's finish our last two or three games on a positive, but let's stop Parramatta from making the finals. And that's what the mentality, well, that's the mentality that we're having. Um, we've got a few changes into our squad um, coming back and uh, um, this we must get right because we don't need to worry about next week because if we don't get this week's game um, right, we're not going to be there. Um, yeah, just, the just touching those changes quickly, you've got Tyrone Sauer coming back into the centres. Uh, that pushes Jabril Kalachi into the halves. Um, Big Jonte Jr. is back alongside Brock Parker, who's coming off the bench. And I think the other the other noticeable change was uh, Keanu Wright Dunrobin's on the bench now. That's correct. Yes. And uh, with the Harold Mats, mate, they're hosting a game at uh, McCready as well, but they're not playing the uh, Thunderbolts. They'll be up against um, the Central, Central Coast. That's Roosters. right. It's a, it's a Roosters doubleheader for the uh, Harold Matthews. They played the Roosters <laughs> and then the Central Coast Roosters. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of them might think they're concussed. I've got a HIA because they're seeing the Roosters two weeks in a row. <laughs> However, um, traditionally, um, the Central Coast players come with a resilient and tough attitude. Um, over the short or over the short distance or short period of time, Central Coast have been in the competition. Uh, we've always done it re- relatively hard against them. Uh, hand on heart, uh, our last two occasions, Parramatta playing the um, Central Coast Roosters. We've only come over the top of them in the last five or ten minutes. Um, They're doing a wonderful job in their development and recruitment and um, um, on the Central Coast. And traditionally, they are a resilient and tough group of young men. 
So that's going to be a really important game. And Steve said to the players on Monday um, that we need to take our good form into our last round. He's not even worried about the semifinals. So we need to carry our form from this game or in the past six or seven weeks into next week's game and then uh, we'll address it after that. So uh, we're really, really looking forward to maintaining or cementing that top two position, guys. Just the one major change for the match this week with Terence Lafayette dropping out and that pushes uh, Blaze Talangi into the starting rotation at 5'8". And that means, that's correct. That means that Tyrese Lockenny takes his rest. bench. Yeah. yeah, we're going to give him a rest. Um, he, he pulled up a little bit sore, so understand. Uh, we're, yeah, we're going to give him a rest. And, and, and Blaze has been playing some pretty good footy, so that's a nice reward for him too. It's a, it's a great reward, and um, just for you and your listeners, um, man, if I can just um, give a, a update, we also um, two weeks ago when we were um, intending to play the Sharks, we had a, a senior development squad or under. A 16s development squad game against Cronulla Sharks. That was obviously postponed uh, for weather reasons. That's actually been trans- uh, transferred to McCready Park. So they'll be kicking off our 16s. We've got a squad of about 32 players, men. So um, um, they'll be playing at nine o'clock against Cronulla. So oh, it's basically just transferred. Yep. And um, uh, there will be uh, five players that are not selected in Steve's Harold Matthews squad that will participate in that development squad game. Cooper Singh, well, Mohammed, like, and those guys. Looks like an early start for us. There. Yeah, the 11, <laughs> the 11 o'clock start just gets pushed forwards even earlier now. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That's I'm okay. sorry. That's okay. No, we love our footy. Um, and I know you do. Speaking of a love for footy, let's talk Jersey flag, mate. Um, tough eight-point loss to the Sharks in, in their very delayed first game of the season. Um, the, uh, the Sharks or in their third game. So they obviously had a bit of uh, traction and, and sort of form coming to this game. How much did that play a condition in terms of uh, the match conditioning factor? Yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge, um, uh, it had a huge effect on the results of the game. Um, you guys were there and you watched our uh, knock-on effect cup game against Newtown. And very similar to that game, they were coming home to get us. And if the game were a little bit longer, um, you know, to, to lead by 20 points and so forth and get run run down in our knock-on effect cup. It was very, very similar at McCready Park. It, the, the game was always uh, – it was a hard-fought game. It was a, a reasonably um, high-completion game of high quality. Um, it was really pleasing. So There was um, um, ha- some late changes too, wasn't there? You had a, a fullback come to you by way of the Bulldogs, Tyrone Harding. Yep, yep. Tyrone uh, came from the Bulldogs. He was uh, full-time, done a pre-season with the Bulldogs, and I thought he had some really, really nice touches. He's he's a little bit like a, a younger David Peachy. He's, he's got that like slim, <coughs> speedy elusiveness, hasn't he? I, I saw some highlights of him. He's um, pretty handy with the ball uh, in his possession. He reminds me of 60s. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, the, other, the other name, too, that popped up was uh, Matthew Dragosik as well, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Matty's from um, um, uh, has come in late, and uh, he's going to add a little bit of value to us there. But th- they were run down, um, and although they tried ridiculously hard, you know how hard it is when you've got seventeen v seventeen. And unfortunately, through the game, Samuel Luizio uh, injured his uh, uh, shoulder. Uh, Matt Komoloffi, um 
suffered a, a HIA and, and didn't so return. Two of the most senior players. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 James Tarsi obviously suffered a HIA. So so literally take, they're three most senior players. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, um, with fourteen uh, players to go, uh, not having played a game for three weeks, uh, unfortunately we just ran out of juice. We just ran out of gas and. Credit to Cronulla, they came from behind and, and were good enough to win the game. So to go on back to your original question, man, it had a huge bearing on, on the result. Um, and Joe, probably just to follow up that since we're speaking about the young kids, what was, and you already mentioned the result, uh, 22-20 over the Newtown Jets in the uh, New South Wales knock-on effect cup. Uh, what was your take on the young kids in there? Uh, Will Penasini and Hayes Dunster both scoring and, and you got a couple of other young kids um, in the mix in that game as well. Yeah, I, I think um, your listeners may may not understand the, the the gravity of what we were asking these young men to do. We obviously had uh, William Penasini on the right edge. We had uh, Jacob Arthur uh, playing left half, and we had uh, Shawnee Russell playing fullback. Now, these guys have played one game in 2020 before COVID came and uh, shut down all the competitions. Um, they've had uh, uh, 65 minutes in a trial game. Now, these are young men that have come traditionally from schoolboy football, which is 50 minutes a game, or, or at best 30 minutes per half, so 60 minutes a game. And their junior reps program um, in their SG ball is 35 minutes a game. So the magnitude or, or, or the enormity of the situation, yeah, yeah it's, it's going from... They're going from uh, SG ball, uh, schoolboy football, one game of Jersey flag, to take on Newtown, who are a powerhouse, in an 80-minute game and not played for three weeks, where Newtown had played consecutively for two weeks. And I'm not surprised uh, Will and and Samuel and, and Sean did as well as they did because, uh, you know, I've seen these young men progress in the last uh, four or five years, but to the level that they did um, um, was fantastic and just goes to show that we are getting it right. I thought Will Penasini's first half was uh, 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 very, very good. He had some good opposition opposed from him. Um, they had Nano McDonald there. They had a few other uh, big players there. and He looked like um, he was uh, fairly comfortable. Jake Arthur, um, you know, played his side and controlled his left edge. And Sean Russell, he's uh, popped up in some good spots, probably missed a few opportunities, but wow, he's, both those three, all those three uh, were exceptional. So to Ryan Carr and his staff, they did a wonderful job. Tip of the hat for um, sure. they, yeah. they, they only used, I believe, 15 or yeah, 15 players. They only used four changes or five changes because they had a few injuries and didn't have too many forwards on the bench. So um, going back to your question... I'm not surprised the young men did as well as they did, but really proud of them, the way that they uh, captured their first game against Newtown Jets, which um, were full of running. And I'm glad the game finished when it did. (laughs) Well, I'm still trying to get over that comparison that you made between young Harding and and a a young 60s, because I think... The, I think he's listed as about 78 or 79 kilos. The Slim Reaper. I was a very young 60s yeah. when I was 78. I reckon I was about 12 years old with the last time I was 78 kilos. I reckon you might have been about 8, not 12, 60s. <laughs> uh, finally, we have to get to your, your take on the NRL win over the Sharks, mate. Give us your take. Yeah. On 
um, ecstatic. Um, everyone knows about the ability when we've got the ball, how hard, uh, how hard we run. I think we ran over 2,000 metres on the weekend. I don't know if anyone's done that this year in the NRL. Um, I'm really liking um, our level of detail on our competitiveness. Um, and it goes back to those things that we spoke about earlier in the podcast about uh, those effort areas, our kick chase, our ability to support and push up in the line, our ability to get behind the ball when the opposition kick it down behind us, our ability to get back behind the footy to, to play footy. Um, we're getting back behind the footy on play two, where teams try, can get back behind the footy on play three and play four. So it's a little bit of that Harold Matthews uh, mentality of what we were speaking about before. Um, you, uh, you know, winning becomes a habit. Uh, you, you're having fun. Um, you're enjoying each other's company. And that's going to be the big challenge for Brad Arthur. But I just felt that, you know, obviously Cronulla lost a few of their key players, losing Wayne Graham, uh, which a lot of the attack comes from on, on their left, our right, uh, hurt them a lot. But doesn't take away uh, from you know, the individual performance and the collective performances of what we're doing in all those little energy and effort areas and what people used to call the, the one percenters. And now your uh, sign-off question, mate, since you've been on the ball with uh, the last couple of encounters um, and the tips on how to beat the opposition, what's the key to knocking off the Tigers on Easter Monday? Well, I'm no, I'm no, um, um, what's the guy from the uh, Channel 10, Bailey, the weatherman? I'm no weatherman, but... I reckon there could be a bit of rain around this weekend. I think, I think it's a coin forecast. flip. The, the coin, oh, gosh. The forecast I saw was 52% chance of rain. Yeah. Apart from the um, opening game at Bank West, traditionally the Monday Monday game, Monday uh, the Easter Monday games are actually tight ones. Um, they're coming off a, a really good win um, against the, the Newcastle Knights, who they had a hell of a lot to play for. Uh, being Mitch, Mitchell Pearce's 300th game, um, I, I really feel that if we're 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 going to go um, toe to toe with these guys, I really feel if we cha- challenge them at the ruck um, with our big players just targeting their close defenders and their markers, and I really think Reed Marnie's going to benefit from that. A few uh, opportunist offloads, quick play of the ball, and I think we're going to see Reed Marnie have. Uh, four good games in a row this week. Uh, our kicking game, um, obviously, it was uh, um, really, really wasn't as good as a Melbourne Storm. That's going to be the challenging uh, part. And if we can keep it away from their fullback, who's in dynamic form, and pick out one of the wingers, that's going to be um, um, a real advantage to us. So two key areas, uh, playing flat and fast at the middle of the ruck uh, with plenty of energy and support. And... Um, our kicks are given, um, but I reckon Reed Martin is going to um, have a big game. I'm not going to say he's going to score uh, two or three tries, but I think he'll have some opportunities there to jump on the back of our big forward steamrolling um, through the middle of them. Uh, it's nice to see Matto back this week too, um, and uh, our smiling assassin, um, Mr. Papahili, was uh, outstanding again, I thought, and he's going to be great for us. Yeah, a bit of versatility out in that edge against the... Uh the Cronulla Sharks, and now he goes back to the bench where he can be deployed a number of ways. But um, he's been very, very good for us. 
He's been excellent. And um, Brad's, Brad and his staff done a tremendous job with him. Uh, I actually thought, and I think we spoke about this, whether it was on air or off air, I was surprised the Warriors actually let him go um, because he did have a pretty decent season last year. But, um, yeah, it's, it's that's their problem now. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so, mate. I loved, uh, I loved your last week's podcast too. If, if there's a smarter person in rugby league than Bernie Gurr, Ivan met him. He was an outstanding guy, so congratulations on that too. Uh, we, we've got a, a pretty great uh, ensemble cast now for the, the tip sheet, including yourself, Joey, so we're very appreciative of all the guys that come on board, and girls, sorry, um, that you know add so much quality to this podcast because uh, it certainly helps myself in the 60s. <laughs> spread Good the on you guys. You can, I, can I throw something now that your listeners um, email you? If you want to um, do some more technical stuff on some things, I know we spoke about kicks and kick finishes, if there's anything your listeners would like to have a better understanding of, let you guys know, and maybe we can talk about it in our next podcast. Yeah, you, you because, can um, tweet, tweet us with um, – we'll have to figure out a, a handle for or a hashtag for it, but definitely we um, if we want to go and start diving into the mechanics um, of a game, we can absolutely get that going, Joey. And ask yeah, Joey. Hashtag. Yeah, probably an ask Joey hashtag at EelsTCT. That works. Whatever you want to do, um, because there's a lot that people may or may not know about defensive structures, why our halfbacks stand at two in, not three in, and so forth. And it might um, give you a little bit of closure and a bit bit more clarity as to why we do those. There you go. Well, 60s has coined it. Um, hashtag ask Joey at EelsTCT, and I'm sending you questions. You guys are awesome, and thanks for your support and the Cumberland Throw rules. Thanks, Joey. Much love, mate. We'll catch you next week. See you later, Thanks, guys. Bye-bye, mate. Bye-bye, mate. All right, 60s, let's dive into the review uh, component of the podcast, um, starting with the NRL. On 7.35 primetime on Saturday night, the Eels hosted the Cronulla Sharks and um, ended up grinding out, I say grinding out because it was a bit of a, a meat grind of this game, a 28-4 victory over uh, undermanned Cronulla Sharks by the end of this game. Uh, a, double to break, a double to Blake Ferguson, not Blake Ferguson, Alongside tries to Mike Acevo and uh, a couple of forwards getting on the board with Reagan Campbell Glide and Ray Stone. Helped the Eels out to a five try, the one advantage with the Sharks scoring via Sione Katoa. Quinton Gufferson had a, a fairly middling day off the boot, replacing Mitchell Moses. Uh, three from five for penalty, uh, goal conversion, sorry, and one from one penalty conversion. Whew, made a meal of that. Um, Eels dominated possession for the first time this year, uh, 61% to 39. Uh, they were sort of mid tier in terms of completion, 77%, 36 from 47. Um, comprehensive winners in the run media uh, category though with Brad Arthur detailing in his post-match pressure, presser that he wanted uh, 2,000 running metres and the Eels gave him nearly 2,400 so that's a, a fantastic stat there for the Eels but um, it's hard to talk to, talk about this game without talking about the injuries uh, obviously the Eels losing Mitchell Moses to a HIA in the 23rd minute and then between the Sione Katoa PCL injury to his knee and then foul concussions to Britton Nakora, Wade Graham and Will Kennedy uh, just for half time the Sharks were left with no bench. Um, it was a real microcosm of round three, wasn't it, mate? Just absolutely cursed around in terms of injuries. Absolutely. I, I, I'm not sure about the new replacement rule that they brought in for uh, people that have ruled out of a game because of concussion, I think. I don't know if there's going to be any circumstances really where they are going to end up needing someone and then... They're having someone that's a uh, development player, yeah. so I guess that guards against the rule being. But abused at the same, at the same time, 
the the development player being thrown into a game where the, the team has had three injured players and they're going to be calling on this kid to take on huge responsibilities without NRL experience, it seems counterintuitive. So uh, yeah. it, it's obviously a rule that was rushed in in light of the carnage of round three. Um, I think the initial reaction from the players' association was that they were not happy with how it was implemented. And I think that they were told it was going to they were going to take a different approach. But here we are with the you know the requirement of three failed HIAs to allow an emerging player into the game. So we'll have to wait and wait and see how that plays out because the Cronulla Sharks wouldn't have qualified. Oh, so they would have. I'm saying they would have qualified. The 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 Canberra Raiders wouldn't have qualified though. So no, uh, it's pretty rough. Um, and and if one one of those HIAs for the Sharks had been a, a neck or knee injury. Then they would have been just left without a bench and no no replacement player. So, um, yeah, that 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 was the sort of the theme that underlined this game because the Sharks showed plenty of ticker, but by the same metric, I think the Eels, while they were flawed at times, showed patience. And they, yeah. this is a game that in the past they get panicked because the Sharks haven't rolled over, and you know they try and chase points and just give the Cronulla Sharks the opportunity to steal this game, and especially about Mitchell Moses steering the team around the park. Instead, you see them just knuckle down, get those run meters out. Will Smith comes in, him and Clinton Gufferson really take control of the game. And when the Sharks had the just you know fatigue piled upon fatigue, the game got away from them. Yeah, I think what we saw in terms of the Sharks was the advantage and the disadvantage of being down to of having no replacement players available. Now, you might think it's strange to say the advantage, but the advantage in that sort of scenario is that if you if you think back to the uh, uh, past days of rugby league, that the ideal scenario was not having to make replacements during a game. That uh, a team has, I suppose, they get some sort of continuity, a bit of momentum, um, the 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 flow out in the field, they're in the zone as it as it might be. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Sharks were in the zone or that they were necessarily advantaged, but I think there's always something to be taken out of uh, no disruptions to the team out on the field with players being brought on and off. However, of course, the disadvantage in that scenario is the fatigue factor that's now there in the game. It is a, a vastly different game to the past years that I'm just referencing because the the, the ball in play is uh, it just happens so much more than it did in the past. The, there isn't the stoppages that there used to be. So yeah, no, no opportunity to suck him in and, and sort of recover, uh, recover the somewhat. The game is so fast at the moment. That's it. That's it. So what we saw was probably what was expected, which was that the team that didn't have the resources to call on replacement players fatigued to the point where the other team ran over them at the end. So whilst there are, as I said, there are some advantages to a, a team being able to have the continuity of not uh, having players moved on and off the field, ultimately that disadvantage of fatigue, it's just too much for them to overcome. So, um, yeah. For the Eels, a number of regular contributors stood up as always. Clinton Gufferson was magnificent, um, taking on the primary playmaking responsibilities once Mitchell Moses bowed out of the game. Um, alongside you know regular contributors like Reg Junior, Reed, uh, Brownie, uh, Nathan Brown, sorry, um, but yeah, some other guys contribute pretty big time this game. Uh, Oregon Kafusi had ridiculous numbers off the bench, fourteen runs for one hundred and sixty one meters, and um, with lots of power through the middle. Um, little Ray Stone, and I say little because he is an absolute unit despite being short. Uh, had a fantastic performance, eleven runs for one hundred and forty six meters, and a signature try for his career. 
So you love to see that sort of thing. Who really um, jumped off the page for you, mate? Look, I, I'd have to say that the the contributions of um, – and, uh, and I'm going to the bench here, but the the contributions of Oggy and Stoney honestly see that there's a, a difference for the Eels this year in what the bench brings. In the past year, we – the Eels were, were troubling okay at the start of the year with, with the punch off the bench. But as the year went on, it probably wasn't what we needed it to be. So far this year, we're seeing Oregon Kafusi bringing... It's a different Augie this year. It's a very, very aggressive, hard-running Oregon Kafusi who... I, I don't, there's going to be some headaches for BA when he's... he's Starting to look at well, this this week's team sheets going to be. It's already started, hasn't it? With uh, the return of Bryce Cartwright and Ron Madison passing his concussion protocol for the Tigers, the <laughs> the selection dramas in a positive light have already started. So yeah, well, you've had Keegan Hipgrave who's been uh, pushed off a bench spot, and if there's been nothing that, that he's uh, there's been no reason for, for he's done that he's that. done nothing wrong exactly. He's been perfectly yeah. fine in relief. And the limited opportunities given to him, he's done his job. He's made his meters. He's got his tackles, um, but it's, he's just the unlucky victim of um, having too many first grade talented players. Yeah, and then you've also got the likes of, um, as I said, uh, Ray Stone. That uh, what he contributed was enormous. As you, you you gave those meters, okay. Well, he he probably got about thirty five meters credited for that try. That's still take that one run out of it. So There's, it's still ten still, for hundred, still ten for hundred and ten. So he's got yeah. incredible efficiency. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at uh, Will Smith on the bench, and you go, "Well, it's a genius move having Will Smith on the bench because of the number of positions that he could cover." And he's come on and he's covered a, a lock position. He's come on. He's covered uh, in the halves. He could he could basically cover anywhere in the back line. As well as dummy half, or or facilitate so, a move around that he could play in a position that then bumps a centre to wing or something like that. So yeah. yes, he's a, he's been a super utility for the Eels. But even even for Will Smith, he he's done such a great job for us in the first few rounds. But he's also got uh, Nathaniel Roach and now Bryce Cartwright, like chomping at the bit to try and take his spot. It's just crazy yeah. at the moment. Yeah, the there are selection headaches that are coming up as as players return from injury. That uh, be a well, it's the sort of headaches that he probably wants to have. I wouldn't like to be uh, making bench selections myself because maybe it comes down to horses for courses. Maybe he just goes, you know what, I can't, I, I can't make any changes this week because there's no reason for me to change a winning combination. It, you know, that could be the case. It's it, obviously some of them are, are about to approach with the uh, Cartwright. Uh, situation with him being um, maybe proving match fitness or getting some match fitness in reserve grade this week. But when we get to the point where uh, we have Wonga Blake returning into the centres, will BA want to continue with having a highly paid with a highly paid uh, centre not coming straight back into first grade? Would he want to keep Murata in the centres or would he see him as a better option back on the bench? playing in the forwards. Big decisions coming up. The Murata situation is interesting because uh, we Eels fans have been telling the rest of the NRL how good this kid is. 
for the last 18 months. And, you know, sort of last year he started getting his dues a little bit, but two games in the centres and all of a sudden he's a media darling. Isn't it funny when you, you change from <laughs> from the sort of uh, the grunt work of the middle to the spotlight work of the centres and all of a sudden everyone wants to know your name? Yeah, and of course, uh, as soon as he's out there in the centres and he's got that little bit of extra room where he's one-on-one with some players, you're starting to see the how dynamic his fend is, how difficult he is to, to bring down. And it's not that that wasn't the case before because his charges into the ruck last year were absolutely fearless. He yeah. was the one who consistently brought that energy when uh, when the first interchange was made. It was the depth after that was maybe not quite what BA wanted. But uh, Murata, when when we were talking about at the end of last year or early this year uh, about it being easy to pick the starting thirteen, well, it was easy to pick the starting fourteen. Yes, correct. Uh, because Murata is he was always a it's a it's a no there's no thought you need to put into it he's just in the the top group of players as a specialist first change middle forward and even here he is first change middle forward absolutely killing it out in the centers and even if he does end up sliding back to the middle when Wang is fit it certainly has given Brad some food for thought and um, probably pushed him to start scripting some plays for Murata to attack down an edge the way that Junior Paul sometimes has that license to roam a little bit wider. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you bring that up because with the number of players that are in the squad who have that capacity to play either middle or edge, then you start to think, well, this it does open up options for VA with some of the plays that he might be able to come up with with these uh, these blokes who have that versatility. On the um, the negative side, I'll say, um, do you think that the Sharks maybe exposed him ever so slightly with the speed of Will Kennedy? I think it's going to have to be, there's going to have to be a little bit of thought around who he lines up against or potentially might line up against each week. Um, I think... There was, a, I think, there was one instance, wasn't there, in the in the game where um, yeah, it led to Guffo making a really great uh, cover play at, at fullback, where he used the sideline as the extra defender, and um, was constantly communicating with his cover defenders to shut down the the break. It was um very good fullback work, but yeah, there was one time where Kennedy just burnt him with speed. Yeah, yeah, but I think outside of that, it's been uh, we've had that move of Dylan Brown over to that right hand side. And I think it helps Murata having Dylan Brown inside of him because the one thing that, well, there's many things that Dylan Brown does well, but something that he excels in, and I talk about this from a a total NRL perspective, Dylan Brown is one of the supreme defenders as a as a half. I think I think NRL. it's it's uncontestable that he's probably the best defensive half. Honestly, yeah, and it's it's not just executing the tackles it's reading what's happening in the lead up to that now as a prime example with that when uh, the eels beat the storm if anyone that was watching uh, it probably doesn't didn't show out as much on the television coverage but anyone who was at the game would have seen that uh, pappenhausen spent the entire game when melbourne were in possession loitering behind the ruck 
just looking for he was looking for any of those half opportunities to to uh, run onto a, a, a ball that might have been popped or a half break. He was just a constant threat. And on the only occasion that he burst through, who was the player that was ready to chase back, that read that it was yeah. on, chased back and cut him down within about 15, 20 metres, was Dylan Brown. Now, if Dylan Brown's not there, I'd almost guarantee that was a try that was going to happen because Pappenhausen in, in, in open space with Gutho in front of him, as much as Gutho is a great defender himself, um, you just can't you can't beat that level of speed that Pappenhausen has. So the fact that uh, Dylan Brown was awake to what was going on and was able to shut it down before it became a problem, that spoke a lot about his defensive intelligence. And I think having him alongside Murata, to an extent, negates that. So, um, yeah, it, it, look, it is interesting. I think, um, I guess we'll see as he comes up against anyone that is uh, faster. I don't think he's... Who's he line, lining up against this week? It is, is it... Um, uh, uh, Murata's playing uh, right centre for us. So is that Jimmy the Jet on his side? No, I think it's... Oh. Um, so it'd be Tommy, uh, Tommy Talao plays well. left, left centre, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it'd be yeah. Tommy Talao then. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. he certainly played left centre. Whether the Tigers Switching think about around. swapping that yeah. around um, this week, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, if I was a Tigers coach, I'd unless it completely disrupted their own uh, attacking shapes, I'd be considering it just to test out the waters there. But then again, that's what you got a fullback for, isn't it? Yeah. Um, continuing with Dylan... I wrote about his performance in my post-game um, musings, and I got some complicated feelings because on the one hand, I was a little bit frustrated that he didn't step up and completely try and own the game with Moses out, and instead it fell to Quinton Gufferson to do that. But then on the flip side, I sort of I stood back before I committed to you know typing anything particularly critical and, and realized that we sort of take for granted the fact that Dylan is, you know, he is one of the first players picked in our starting 13 in one of the most important positions in the lineup. And we sort of take it, Granted that he is an established veteran, for lack of a better term, uh, in in the roster, but he's only twenty, and you know it's it's easy to be critical and say you know why didn't he take control of this game? That was his chance. He should have stood up and you know and beaten the sharks on the back of his own work. But you know it it's difficult. I, I'm not sure how to frame this properly because he is still only twenty. He is a baby, you know, in terms of of being an NRL footballer. And, you know, perhaps uh, the luxury of having a guy like Quinton Gufferson and Will Smith there means that, you know, he shouldn't try and force his way into games sometimes. Yeah, I think when it comes to Dylan Brown, there's... I'm just trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Dylan Brown plays that, that type of composed performance that is that works well when with... Uh, partnering Mitch Moses, where Mitch Moses likes to own the team, he likes to be the major, the the person who's yeah, making and trying to shift gears like that on a dime when Mitch drops out isn't easy. No, no, and look, we saw that it didn't work well with Mitch Moses and Corey Norman as the halves pairing because it was literally a battle about who was who was calling, who was over calling. They. They just went together like oil and water. Um, it was 
it, it was not a good mix at all. And um, now you've got what is a very harmonious pairing in terms of the roles that they play. And Dylan's one of those blokes, and we we praised him on this in the past, where it's all about the pass that you don't throw as much as the pass that you throw. So he's very good at not throwing a pass which puts a support runner under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm being critical of, and and let me just say too, that I thought his composure has been part of the success of Murata out on that side and also the improved form of Sean Lane over the last two weeks because Sean Lane is playing a far different game into the last two weeks to how he performed in the first week. But I think it helps having uh, Dylan Brown over on that side of the field for both of those players. And I'm not taking away from either of those players. I'm just saying I think he complements their game. Now, if I am being critical of, of Dylan, it's, <laughs> it's for two things. One is that each week... In uh, the first three rounds, he's had a stone-cold drop yeah, of the ball. Yeah, a bit of a concentration drop in each of the games. Yeah, and, it, and it's been when we've been on the attack and there's and um, it's just, yeah, I mean, there's never a good time, but they, they've just looked like a, a as you say, it's a, a concentration lap. Secondly, is that I think Dylan needs to learn to look like he's involved in the play a little bit more often. Uh, I think to yeah, an extent... Disguising your lack of involvement. involvement. Yeah, disguising your lack of involvement is also an important skill. <clears throat> Correct. So I think he needs to have more instances where he creates doubt in the mind of uh, the opposition when we're in possession. So I think his, um, in terms of his his contributions to... The side, we are still talking, um, f- from my perspective, an eight or a nine out of ten in what he provides for the team. Um, and I'd still say that it's probably more heavily weighted in defence than it is in attack. And as you say, he's 20 years of age, and that at- that attacking component will be what grows. And the interesting thing is, just uh, as a final thing on this, I would normally relate and say that, uh, relate to this in from the context that when you get a young player that comes into the team and they're regarded as a, as a big talent and this is a player of the future, they're normally excelling in attack and they get better in defence as they get yeah, older. It's, it's an inverse of the classic sort of uh, yeah. young talent, isn't it? Yeah, I believe that Dylan's, uh, Dylan's sort of the, the opposite of that and I'm not, I'm not downplaying his attack in any way, shape, or form because we've seen instances Super, where superstar defender uh, are in the highlights reel. That's from right. Attack. Yeah, but but I think he's the great foundation for him is he entered first grade as someone who enjoyed defence and was already a very good defender, and um, his craft is being learnt with the ball in hand, and he. I think by the time he's in his mid-20s, he, he's just going to be sensational. Absolutely sensational. I agree, mate. Now, some um, little bits of housekeeping um, before we move on from this game. Uh, love seeing rampaging uh, Reagan Campbell-Gillard and Stone Cold Ray Stone getting over. Um, the team obviously loved it too. Ray Stone nearly got a concussion from what Clinton Gufferson did to him in the, the post-try celebration. Um, on the flip side, uh, poor Tom Opachuk had uh, two tries rightfully overturned. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, very unlucky there. Um, 
And uh, finally, a player that was deservedly criticised in round one, um, but I think was very good in round three, uh, Sean Lane. Uh, good game. Uh, like to see that from the big fella, especially if Bryce Cartwright coming back and putting some pressure on his spot. Yeah, and as I said to you, I think it's... Uh, I don't think the side that... Uh, there, there was some criticism about, oh, was it a smart move to push Sean Lane over to that side? He doesn't look at home on that side of the field in uh, for, in the first round. That was just a poor game from Yeah, exactly. When all said exactly. done. It, was, it had nothing to do with being on that side. His effort areas just weren't good in that first week. And in contrast, his effort areas have been good in the following weeks. That's it, mate. And uh, the win obviously keeps Eels undefeated in the season. They're one of just two teams that remain undefeated. Um, it's the power of the Western Sydney teams at the moment. The Penrith Panthers and the Eels are replaying out the 2020 race to stay undefeated because they were the last two teams to um, go without a loss in that season, I think. So um, replaying a bit of history. Um, good to see that. Um, that rivalry between the two clubs very much strong at the moment. So good stuff for the Eels, and it, it takes them to a, a nice sort of a long-ish uh, run to the game against the Tigers, so they get all hands back on deck pretty much. Yeah, and let's uh, and we've say it, we say it often when you've got the games that they're expected to do well, well in the ones that they're expected to win, they're often a, a bigger test of the team than uh, some of the uh, uh, bigger match contests. Very true. All right, mate. Well, Joe gave us a nice rundown of each of the games in the lower grade, so we're just going to blitz through the actual results just to reconfirm them for everyone listening. Um, so starting with the Harold Matthews, they uh, posted a 28-16 win over the Sydney Roosters at New Era Stadium as the leadoff game. Tries to Saxon Pryker for double. Charlie Geimer, Orfag Mino, Blaze Talungi. Ethan Sanders was free from free off the tee before he was replaced by Suliasu Aho, who went one from two. Uh, moving on to the SG Ball, they dropped a game to the Sydney Roosters, 36-22. A double to Freeman Forsyth alongside tries to Josh Chapel and Kamoi Fekatoa. Um, Keelan Bray took over from an, uh, Josh Chapel, who had a banged-up leg, I think. So Josh missed the first conversion attempt, and then Bray went free from free. Um, so that win puts the SG Ball in six still. They actually don't lose a position on the ladder. Sorry, the, lo- the loss. Sorry. That loss, I was, I, was, I was going to circle back to the Harold Matthews and say, talk about their win for the latter. That loss keeps the Eels in the hunt for the finals, thankfully. Um, so they don't actually move up or down on the ladder at all. They stay in six, but obviously need to take care of business this week against the Central Coast Roosters. For the Mats, they consolidate their spot at second. They are one win behind the Manly Seagulls, who they dropped the game to in round one. So they'd need results to go against Manly and for them to claim top ladder, but top spot ladder, sorry, but top two is uh, a spot um, in the finals with the week one bye. Uh, for the girls, they uh, lost 50 to nil against the Roosters Indigenous Academy. And like 60 said to Joey, that actually rules them out now mathematically of the run to the finals. They needed to win out and have results go their way otherwise. And now if they lost, they are out of the running. Um, for the Jersey flag, they dropped their first game of the season against the Cronulla Sharks, uh, 26 to 18. But it was a good day for Jadens. Uh, Jaden Yates and Jaden Skinner scoring alongside Penny Tohey. Kyle Schneider was perfect from the kicking tee, free from free. Um, as you mentioned, there were some new faces in that lineup, and given it was their first game of the season, they were very much underdone. So not a terrible outing for them, and they'll be better for the hit out. In the uh, can I just say, uh, I caught the first half of that. It was a little bit of a jam-packed Saturday. Had, uh, the three grades. At Triple header, yep. Uh, got out to the first half out at Guildford before having to leave to... Um, get home and get ready to go out to Bank West. But that first half, 
as Joey said, it was a very tight first half and uh, Parramatta just had the edge early and uh, I gun, did miss gun down. Seeing, yeah, seeing them getting uh, run down. But um, from what I saw, there was plenty to like about the performance. So uh, augurs well for a bit of match condition under their belt and getting some wins. And yeah, and yeah, you don't want to harp on it too much, but this is very much an understrength lineup, as is the SG ball. Um, these are rosters that have a lot of very good talent playing reserve grade. So they're doing very well to hold their own in this competition, and they'll be much better for that run against the Sharks. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the New South Wales Cup, the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup, sorry, um, Eels posted a first-up victory, 22-20. to 20. Um, They got out to a 22-point lead, actually, before they were gunned down. Once again, that whole uh, lack of match conditioning due to the super-delayed start of the season for the Eels uh, really came to bite them in the backside, but they held on long enough. And um, the Sharks actually went for a two-point field goal in this game to try and uh, take it to a tie, but thankfully they missed. Um, for the Eels, we saw tries scored to Hayes Dunster, Will Penasini, uh, Eli or Eli Elzikahem, and Nathaniel Roach. Um, and in particular, the young kids on that edge, uh, Hayes Dunstan and Will Penasini, had a good showing, as Joey alluded to when he was uh, doing the review for us. Yeah, I really liked the combination that they had out there. Uh, reports that I've heard is that um, they were that Hayes Dunster did a very good job out there with um, being the experienced player out there with Will Penasini. But I tell you what, the way that um, first of all, Will Penasini on the for his own try, he set up the uh, break that Dunster was able to make down the right. Yeah, uh, it was really nice lead up work. Yeah, yeah, and then was able to uh, took took advantage of that after the play of the ball to take on the defence himself and get over. Um, yeah, it was it was a very very good combination over that side, and and Hayes really looks uh, confident out there this year. Um, I, I think he's experience that he had last year where it wasn't a hell of a lot of match experience but getting that I don't know, whether it the confidence that he got from being selected in the NRL by the end of the year um he, he just has seems to have this self-belief yep. and um his try that he scored where he uh outlept his opposition to uh catch the kick was um yeah it was it was a great try and I think it spoke a lot about uh, where he's at now as a as a winger. A couple of points of order from this game. Uh, Nathaniel Roach on the bench, but played significant minutes at dummy half. Good to see that uh, for a very talented player that could feature in first grade for the Eels. Um, a heartfelt shout-out to Davey Hollis, who um, made the trek back to Sydney to play this game um, with his family located in Warhope, right, mate? Yeah, so they were severely affected, his family and their property, by the floods. And Davey had been out there during the week uh, well, he'd been back home during the week, um, came back for the game, turned around and went straight back up there to yeah, help a, out on the he's family. A, he's a good egg and a very good up. footy player, so um, well done to Davey, mate. We appreciate you turning out for the Eels, and, and I know it's not great circumstances, but we wish you and your family all the best, mate. Yeah, and, well um, said. The, the other point of order for me was uh, Kai Rodwell was a, a walk-up starter for the, the Eels in reserve grade. He was one of the TBA players from Teamless Tuesday with um, only 15 players named. Started at lock, did a pretty handy job. Um, and him and Makahesi Makatoa were pretty good through the middle. Yeah, yeah. And he's, uh, there was obviously, it was uh, uh, TBA's probably, uh, may not have been some paperwork completed at the time of the TBA uh, team list announcements. So um, good start for the, sorry, for 
his time with the Eels. And uh, given no experience really in uh, in terms of knowing his teammates, uh, a, a very good a very good start. Yes, sir. And that brings us to a, a wrap up of the reviews. So let's um, move across, scooch on over to the NRL news. Um, first up, we already touched on this in the uh, the NRL review, but the NRL has approved an 18th man under strict conditions, the stipulation being for a team to fail three HIAs across three different players, which then allows you to activate an emerging player, which we believe is uh, development designation, right, mate? Yeah, and I think we touched on that before, that it's as a... The likelihood of that happening is quite minimal. Very out there, yeah. Yeah, we've. I think we've had since the HIA rules been in. Wasn't the weekend the first occasion where there'd been three failed HIAs for one team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the likelihood of it of it happening, it's um and obviously uh, almost it almost feels like window dress a window dressing. It, it does, and a lot of the drama around this conversation has circled on the fact that teams will abuse an 18th man, but on the flip side, the NRL has got to be very cautious of um looking after player welfare in regards to head injuries and just injuries in general. If the game keeps speeding up and it can, there is an attributable connection to injuries, they'll probably have to revisit this concept of the 18th man anyway. So one to watch, but I don't think it's going to play too much of a, a role as it is in the NRL season. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. I'm, I'm just trying to think what would be the appropriate term. You spoke about the game speeding up. It's probably a, a case of the game fatiguing up. Where, yeah, that's that's um, another way of um of labelling it, isn't it? It's rather than just the game speeding up, the fatigue factor is becoming so much more prominent. Yeah, it's so you're getting the um, as that game progresses, the the team that's um, under fatigue the most. That's where the uh, disparity between uh, one team and another seems to take effect, and um, where you've got that scenario that Cronulla faced, where they had far more players under fatigue because of their uh, scenario. Um, that was where, and I and we spoke about it before. How was it going to help to have a development player that can go out there at that time? Yeah, I don't. I just don't understand that. Yeah. So, so this this will um, probably be revisited at some point. So just um, set and watch, I suppose, is the uh, advice there. Um, we do have some more uh, focused individual or. or focused Eels news rather, starting with an update to the Nathan Brown contract saga. Um, the club delivered an ultimatum to his management uh, as a deadline and they didn't respond, so the offer was initially pulled. That's the uh, two-year 600 per uh, offer, I believe. Um, and then following that, Manly came out um, saying they're no longer interested in Nathan Brown officially and then the Eels apparently have re-entered negotiations with their state of origin lock forward. So uh, it's not quite no news, but um, we're sort of back to... Uh, square one, right? Look, I think all parties want it to happen. So let's have fingers crossed that it can be taken care of. And I suppose uh, that that's probably a good point, Sixties, because for a player of his caliber, there's been very little obvious external interest, which would suggest that he does want to get the job done with the Eels in terms of re-signing. Yeah. And I think that that would be a clever move for all parties, again, because... Um, Nathan is, he's found his best football at Parramatta. Parramatta have benefited from his best football. I don't think he'd be the same sort of fit at another club. And I I think it's a scenario where um, if that sort of offer is correct, 
that um, it's a it's an offer that is I think decent marketplace offer in the current context. So um, yes, sir. Anyway, let's hope it. Let's hope it can get done. The thing is, we're saying I, I, just then. I'm I'm saying if if that's because we don't know what sort of negotiations have been taking place. Uh, I, I'm I'm now take the attitude as a fan that. Hey, these processes they have to go through. It's yeah. like a dam. Like obviously, dam both parties looking to, looking to maximise their positions. Eels wanting to be uh, as uh, cap efficient as possible, whereas Nathan Brown knows that his you know window of being a professional footballer is limited, and he wants to maximise his earnings. So, like you said, there's a dance to this, and it's um you know you don't want to try and point fingers at individual parties because they both have legitimate reasons for their points um, when they're you know coming to negotiation. Hey, look, I the way I regard it is. Uh, if a player manager or player agent, whatever you want to call them, isn't looking to get the best possible deal for his client, well, he's not. He's not. He's not, not a good player manager, is he? <laughs> exactly. And, and likewise, likewise, if the if the club's not trying to get a player at the at at the best value from their salary cap perspective, they're also not doing their job. So like it then said, becomes it's a, it's a, a matter dance, of mate. where uh, you know Finding where is ground. a fair point. Yep between the two positions. So, as I said, it's a little dance that goes on and um, we hope that it's um, taken care of soon because the reality is, as I said, all parties want it to happen. And uh, now some uh, breaking news on the 31st of March on the Wednesday afternoon as we record this podcast. Pete Bedell just jumped on Twitter, uh, care of the Courier Mail, I believe, old Petey boy, and has um, tipped off that Wiramu Greg. So sorry, sorry, mate, if I've got this wrong, but um, uh, Wiramu Greg has signed on for two years for Parramatta from the North Queensland Cowboys, um, but is expected to seek an immediate release and join the Eels uh, very shortly. Um, Greg featured in the Maori All Stars team earlier in the All Stars game. hasn't played an NRL game. He's twenty one. He is a big unit, one ninety two centimeters, one hundred twenty four kilos. Um, he comes with the the Raptors been, has been a, a big explosive prop forward with a knack for scoring. Um, and in a team that's got plenty of uh, uh, middles with big motors, having a guy to come off the bench at some point with a bit of juice uh, in short spurts isn't the worst thing to have, right? Yeah. You're now looking at a team that's adding to its depth and significantly so. Uh, I. It's interesting, isn't it, that what the Cowboys are up to with releasing players who obviously have plenty of potential upside. And you'd have to think, well, there's something afoot there that they're needing to create some cap space or a, a cap position, a roster position uh, for some recruitment that they're looking to do to fix a problem immediately rather than one or two years down the track. They're looking for a, they're looking for a solution right now before things go too far south. And uh, obviously he's part of that. And yeah, and it's nice to start seeing those uh, top 30 spots for 2020 potentially filled out, or 2021, sorry, be potentially filled out because um, we, as we saw off the uh, New South Wales Cup team uh, this week, uh, they sort of had a couple of TBAs and if uh, Wiramu can come across this year, it'd be very good for depth in the top 30. Yeah, so... I'd look at a signing like that and I'd say, okay, this for him to um, go from a, a spot at the Cowboys, the club are obviously putting him straight into their top 30. It's not 
going to be a development contract spot because there's no development contract spots available. There wouldn't be going to this sort of detail to sign as a second tier. So it's obvious that the, that two-year announcement is straight into top 30. And, um, and as we've talked about before, with Michael Jennings being included in the 28 players that we named, we're effectively sitting on 27 players. So I think it was important that we get up to 29 because at 29, we're effectively 28. So, um, yeah, and really, as you, as you said, with the TBAs that were announced last week in the, uh, for the Canterbury Cup, oh, sorry, the New South Wales Cup, it, we couldn't really afford to be um, having to make late adjustments to the team every week. So it's good to know that they've got the roster sorted in that regard. Yeah, so very exciting stuff for the Eels. And that brings us to an end for the NRL news. Let's quickly skim through the previews before getting to the big one. Um, starting with the junior reps, as always. The Tashigal do have that buy that we mentioned with Joey Grimer. Um, but there is a doubleheader, technically a triple-header now with the uh, development squad playing the, the lead-off game, but a doubleheader out at McCready Park on Saturday morning. Uh, so I just got to find my notes over here. Sorry, guys. Uh, so the main event for that, obviously, starting with the Harold Matthews, 11 o'clock kickoff. Um, Eels looking relatively uh, consistent here. Uh, so they've got Patrick Spencer fullback uh, and their first-choice back line of Josh Lealar Lotto and Saliasi Aho on the flanks, Charlie Geimer and Declan Murray in the centres. Uh, just the one change in the halves, as we mentioned, Terence Lafayette getting week off to recoup with Blaise Talangi replacing him and Ethan Sanders at halfback. Sam Tuovati, Yeya Ayachi and Orfag Mino are the front rowers and hooker with Raf Stratus, Saxon Bryker, Miles Martin rounding out a first-choice back row. Uh, Tyrese Lakini, Jacob John, Joshua Alzahim and Raf's twin brother Dom are on the bench. No 18th man this week, uh, announced at least. Uh, SG Ball follows them off at 1 o'clock. Got McCready again. Um, some big changes here for the ball as they look to consolidate their position in the top six. Uh, Josh Torpolotto will be the fullback. Caleb Coroneos and Freeman Forsyth on the wings with Kamoi Fekatoa and Tyrone Sow finally back. Um, no longer at fullback with Josh there, but will be playing in the centres. So that's a big boost for the team. Um, that moves Jabril Kalache into the halves at 5'8", which I really don't mind because Jabril is great for the ball in hand. So him getting more touches is not a bad thing for this team. And he'll partner Josh Chappell in the halves. Uh, Jonte Jr. Befamiza is back, another big boost for the Eels, and he'll bookend Vlado Jankovic alongside Taylor Moola. And in the back row, you've got Jock Brazel and Francis Fayefo Tuatino, who gets a nod to start, alongside their captain Peter Tatio at lock forward. Uh, the bench reads as Keanu Wright Dunrobin, Brock Barker, Larry Moaga Tatia, and Kyle Mafoa, and no 18th man listed again. And they're taking on the Melbourne Thunderbolts. And like we said, big game here, looking to consolidate their spot inside the top six with the uh, game against the Sharks, the only thing left following that. That's, would uh, you, um, just very quickly, would you consider that to be their strongest lineup that they've been it's, able to field? It's very, it's very close, yeah. Now that Tyrone Sow's back, I really like Jabril Kalachi at 5-8. Um, um, Brock Parker's a nice inclusion on the bench. So I think, I'm just trying to think, let me quickly just reopen that, sorry. Uh, uh, the only... Max Tupo's out, so that that's a that's a miss because uh, Max is a good back rower. But I think yep. that's aside from that, that is very close to the best team on paper they've put out this year. Yeah, yeah, it's um, certainly there's some big units in the forwards that are that are there to uh, lay the foundation for the um, uh, return of a couple of backline players. Yes, sir. 
And uh, funnily enough, that's the end of the uh, regular weekend action for the Eels because every other game is now on Easter Monday, even the Jersey flag. So we'll move on to the flag, which will be kicking off at 5 p.m. way out at Campbelltown Sports Stadium. So I'm actually clashing with the NRL game, which kicks off at 4 p.m. So uh, no coverage there this week, but we will get hopefully a report of some nature out. Um, Did they move that? Was that originally scheduled for Friday? I'm I'm not sure because when I was chatting to a good mate of our TCT Ham, we were sort of flummoxed as to why you'd be playing a flag game a flag game on a Monday, and like actively giving the Eels and the Tigers uh, a short turnaround in a competition that's always played on the weekend or Fridays at worst. I don't really understand why it was rescheduled, but it is. Yeah. Um, for the Eels, a number of changes this week. Um, Tyron Harding has now got the number one on his back instead of number twenty, and he'll be at fullback. So he comes to us by way of the Bulldogs. Um, on the wings, you've got Marley J. Townsend and uh, another new face in Fruin East Hope. Uh, in the centres, Penny Tohi and Jaden Skinner. Uh, Clayton Farlola will partner Tavita Massima in the halves. You've got a front row of Atasi James, Kyle Schneider and Jack Colavati. A back row of Oli Clements, Shabelle Tassapali and Jaden Yates. So Shabelle drops back from the New South Wales Cup. And in a way, this is good because he wasn't getting any meaningful minutes in the Cup um, between rescheduled games and those guys like Higgin, Hipgrave, and Bryce Cartwright coming back. So he'd rather, probably better off for him actually getting big minutes in flag at the moment. Um, on the bench, Ethan LeBlanc, Lennox Whitaker is another new face, Mac Dragasic, Valence Harris, and Mark Tepesmith as 18th man. They will be uh, taking on the West Tigers. Uh, or was it the Balmain Tigers? These things always get me. You know, they are West Tigers in Jersey flag. Okay, so... They actually had the joint venture status in Jersey Flicks. So they take on the West Tigers out of Campbelltown. Uh, West Tigers are one from three, I believe, in this grade, are they? No, they've, they've only played the one game. Sorry, just looking at my own notes here from Team West Tuesday. They played just the one game. They took on the Melbourne Thunderbolts last week and uh, dispatched them 50-12. to 12. So they're coming up with a bit of uh, juice in this game. Yeah, yeah. But it... <laughs> How much uh, you can judge from the uh, yeah. a team taking on the Mel- we, Melbourne Thunderbolts? Anyone, anyone that's listened to TCT live coverage of the flag in you know last five or six years knows that in any given game there's a huge amount of volatility, regardless. But um, for a team like the Thunderbolts, who you know have a lot against them logistically, um, results can also, also sort of uh, lead to some false positives too. Yeah. And now uh, the curtain raiser on Easter Monday for the NRL. Uh, the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup sees the Eels travelling out to ANZ to take on the Western Suburbs Magpies. Eels enter this game in fourth with just the one win from their one uh, game, and the Magpies are in six. Uh, a couple of ex-Eels in the the lineup for the West Suburbs in this game. Actually, they are the Western Mag- uh, Western Suburbs Magpies badged in this game, not joint venture. Um, for the Eels, you got Sean Russell. At fullback with Solomon Naiduki and Hayes Dunster on the wings. Will Penasini and Tim Lafay will be in the centres, so an unchanged backline from last week. That carries through to the halves where Jordan Rankin partners Jacob Arthur, who is at halfback. A front row of uh, David Hollis, Joey Lusick, and Makahesi Makatoa will be uh, partnered by a back row, which has been reinforced with Keegan Hipgrave by Bryce Cartwright and Kai Rodwell. So a couple begins there for the Eels with Hipgrave and Cartwright bringing plenty of experience and ball playing. On the bench, you've got Nathaniel Roach, Lalatoa Mata'afa, Eli or Eli Elsikahem, and Grant Talofo. Noel Akafalau is the 18th man. And uh, looking at this Magpies team, uh, just sort of pops off the page. Obviously, Joseph Ailua playing his second reserve grade game. And I was stunned by the stat that was dropped on, on 360. Last week was his first Reggie's game since 2013. 
And I mean, as streaky as BJ has been in his NRL career, I am stunned that it took him that long to be dropped to reserve grade. Uh, yeah. uh, and yeah. he'll, he'll be, uh, I'm not sure if he's on that side, but in the back line on the wing is William Key. Uh, for Keen TCT fans, you recognize Key from the Eels Junior Reps in recent years. He jumped ship to the Tigers last year, I believe. So he's playing on the flank. Another familiar fa- uh, name in the halves, Zach Docker Clay. Uh, so uh, one time Eels Junior there playing in the halves. And looking at the interchange bench, Austin Diaz and the 18th man, Joseph Tapari, also former Eels Juniors at some point. Yeah. And look, I'm, I do have a uh, little bit of a connection to. Zach Docker Clay. He was a student at the school that I taught at, and um, a good family. Um, I, I'm I'm happy that he's he's getting another shot because uh, he's he's tried. Uh, he's been with the Eels, uh, went over to Super League for a little bit. Uh, was up at the uh, up at North Queensland, uh, Blacktown Workers with Manly, and he's earned a contract now with the uh, West Tigers. So uh, I wish him well there. Obviously, I don't wish the uh, West Magpies a win against the Eels. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm always urging on uh, players that uh, I'd like to see. Yeah, very have, rarely have, is it ill feeling yeah. when players leave because there is the business aspect of, of the game on both sides for players and for clubs. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that he personally goes well. And, uh, yeah, any of the players that have been former Eels, I, I'm quite happy for them to go well because I think that a lot of them, um, you know, they can't keep everyone. So, yep. um, yeah, if their if their career is successful elsewhere, um, good luck. And that brings us to the main event on Easter Monday, four o'clock kickoff, as the West Tigers host the Parramatta Eels. Uh, for the Tigers, they look as such: uh, breakout player Dane Laurie at fullback, uh, David Nofaluma and Asu Kapoa on the wings, Tommy Talau and James Roberts in the centres. Adam Dwahi and Luke Brooks are in the halves. A front row of Zane Musgrove, Jacob Little and James Tamau, who was also their captain. A back row of Luke Garner, Luciana Lelua and Alex Twal. On the bench, you've got Moses Mbai, Thomas McKayley and Stefano Otoikamanu alongside Big Joe Ofengahi. Uh, extended roster of Russell Packer, Joseph Lelua, Michael Cheekam and Alex Safaf, coached by Michael Maguire. Um, they're coming into this game with an upset victory over the Newcastle Knights. They um, were on the road and uh, took over... The game twenty four to twenty in a, a milestone game for Mitchell Pierce, mate. It wasn't a pretty game, but you know credit to the Tigers, they stuck into this one and got the result. You'd have to say that they deserve a lot of praise for that because they were coming off a couple of losses. There would have been extra pressure on them if they'd picked up another loss. As you mentioned, it was a milestone game. There was a big crowd urging the Knights on away from home for the Tigers. Yeah, full credit to them for getting that win up. It's um, and it brings them in with a little bit more confidence, a little bit of momentum into the game. And they certainly regard Parramatta as a, as a great rival. I don't know that Parramatta feel the same way. But, uh, <laughs> it is a bit of a one-sided rivalry, I feel like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. have plenty to play for. They'll have – it's their home game. It's an Easter Monday. There's probably going to be a good crowd there. I'd suggest there might be between thirty to 40,000 there with it being an Easter Monday uh, game at the at ANZ. So, um, yeah, I – Plenty for them to play for again. And the Eels will look like this taking on the Tigers on the public holiday. Uh, Clinton Gufferson, captain and fullback. Mike Asivo and Blake Ferguson on the wings with Tom Opachik and Murata Niakore reprising his role in the centres. Halves combination of Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. The all-star front row of Reagan Campbell-Gillard and junior Paulo bookending Reed Marnie. 
and a full-strength back row now of Sean Lane, Ryan Madison, and Nathan Brown. Good to see Maddo back from that concussion. That massive turnaround with the with the Week 2 Thursday game to the uh, Week 4 Monday game obviously helping there. On the bench, uh, you've got Oregon Kafusi leading the way for Isaiah Papali'i. Will Smith holds his spot deservedly as a utility, and Ray Stone is rewarded for that phenomenal game against the Sharks. Uh, on the extended roster now, Jordan Rankin, Hayes Dunster, Keegan Hipgrave, and Bryce Cartwright returning from the jaw injury. Brad Arthur is the coach. So, yeah, exciting teammate. This is, uh, I suppose, close to full strength now, just depending on um, Bryce Cartwright's fit in the team once he gets a bit of uh, uh, meters into his legs. Yeah, and I suppose it depends whether down the track that Murata becomes a genuine consideration for uh, a centre spot. Yeah, rather uh, than, probably, um, probably a bit, bit disrespectful for me to forget about Wanga there. Um, but yeah. yes, uh, Wanga with that calf injury is the only... Obviously, uh, uh, the injury ward still contains... Uh, I always forget his name, and I feel so bad about this. Um, this Michael guy, Oldfield. Michael Oldfield. I'm sorry, Michael. It, it's not disrespectful. Just you barely played a game, and uh, it's, well, it is disrespectful, but it's not intentional. And you, you've barely played a game and haven't been able to commit you to the team's roster. So, yeah, with um, Wanga and, and Michael in the injury ward, um, it leaves the Eels at nigh full strength at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And you'd have to say that from a from a form perspective that it's it's worked quite well with uh, Murata out in the centres. And the fail-safe, when you, we spoke about this earlier with regard to... Um, whether Mar- Mar- in the when we we're talking about the review, whether Murata it was any signs that he was caught out being at centre with a faster opponent, the the failsafe there is Will Smith. Yeah, so exactly. If, exactly. If if you struck a a, a game where things went south uh, defensively because of the any of the pace of the opponents, um, there's. There are option. There is an option on the bench for how to work that out. But um, as I said before, when we were looking at the review, I think Dylan Brown being inside Murata uh, makes it a lot easier defensively for um, Murata to be playing out the centres. And um, you know, we'll keep the preview pretty simple here because against the Tigers, it's a game that the Eels are meant to win. They've done a good job of taking care of business in these games in recent times. Do you think the, the game plan will be very similar to recent weeks? Play strong through the middle and look for your opportunities to come once you know you sort of have pushed the opposition back a bit? Well, you've got to look at what are the Eels' strengths. And the Eels' strength, strength uh, a great strength, is really the forwards. So, and the other thing too is, at this time of year, you want to be able to play the type of football that suits the time of year, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I don't want there to be a grand um, flamboyant football with um, 50, 60 points being scored at this time of year. It's it's not... I don't think it lays a great foundation for your year to get landslide the score lines. I think being able to discover that you can win, you can grind out a win that you can get the foundations, the absolute rugby league basics done well. And by that, I mean things like high completion rates, what we talked about with Joey with the, uh, the high scores for their kicking game, um, the uh, defensive uh, successes, the shapes, the, the minimal misses in defence, just 
get the, get your absolute basics right at this time of year. Pick up points along the way. You don't need to be playing champagne rugby league, as the saying goes. Let's build towards that in the latter half of the year. Let's not put all the um, all the I suppose the the big. We don't want big plays being uh, put on at this time of the year. You want to be building towards your best football in the latter half of the year. So I'm quite pleased with the way that we are structuring the wins right now. I think that I don't think you'll see too much different in the way that we play for the first seven or eight rounds. I think we'll see um, good, solid rugby league with doing the basics well. And let's have a, a think back to round one against the Broncos. And what the Eels were trying to do in that first half, which was shifting that ball far too early. Being way too for, expansive, yeah. Way too expansive. I don't want expansive rugby league at this time of year. I don't only, And I only want expansive rugby league in a game where the, opportunities, the opportunities have been earned. Yep, exactly. That's a good way to, to sort of sign off on the game, mate. Uh, you want to tip a scoreline for the Eels and maybe a first try scorer? Um. Look, I think, I think the margin will be somewhere between six and twelve points. I'm not going to give. I don't know if I'll give a point score on that. I'll just say a a margin of six to twelve points, and uh, first try scorer. I think I'll go with um, Tom Opacic. Nice. He got across twice last week and was <laughs> nine. Let's back. give him first yeah. try score this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I looked at this, and, and Joey mentioned it too, but outside of that uh, christening, christening game, sorry, for Bank West where we put 50 on the Tigers, um, we've actually won the last five in a row, by the way. The other four games have all been sort of settled by very small double digits, sort of like 10 points, 12 points, or thereabouts. Um, so I, I could see this game falling into that ballpark as well. Um, I think on the Parapodcast, I tipped a 22-6 to victory, um, which is probably on the, the upper side of the double digits things, but... Um, there you go. And I went for Ryan Madison, first try scorer, getting a little bit of revenge against the Tigers. Sounds like a good enough reason. <laughs> and hopefully for Maddo's sake, they don't try and target him any more than usual. Um, you know, you don't want to see that sort of stuff in the game. I know there is some uh, ill feeling towards uh, some of the uh, the Tiger uh, expatriates that have um, find their, found their way to the Eels, but you, know, you want to see the game played in the right manner. And I expect it will be. So on that bombshell, mate, I think we'll wrap things up. And um, you can stay tuned for another podcast next week. Um, plenty of action to get through this weekend as always. And you can catch it on TCT, thecommonfro.com. Oh, and don't forget, uh, at Eels TCT, hashtag Ask Joey if you want to have a question featured next week's episode about uh, football mechanics. Good reminder there, mate. Good save. <laughs> like I said, you've got to be good at something, mate. got to be good at something. And every now and then I pay out. Okay. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Catch you next week. Cheers, everyone.